My name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast, a place for extended, in-depth discussions about the rebirth of virtuous masculinity happening around the world today. My guest this week is a husband, father, personal trainer, redeemed man in Christ, and one of my favorite new creators on Instagram, blazing a bright trail through our little community in a short time. Please welcome Mike Pantile. This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know I've dubbed 2023 the year of hurt feelings. But why? Two reasons. First, because as I'm sure you know, we live in a feeling-centric culture. If it feels good, it's right. The classic rejoinder to that is, facts don't care about your feelings. But there's a problem with that too. Facts are not equivalent to truth. Facts are the raw materials that truth is built out of. You can think of facts as the bricks, 2x4s, and electrical wiring that you can use to construct a house of truth. So while liberals and conservatives are stuck arguing about the validity of their bricks, so to speak, we out here building houses. And now we're living in them, which gives us a confidence that few in the public dialogue have. We have the security of knowing that these houses of truth we've built from solid facts are constructed on a biblical foundation. So it's not that facts don't care about your feelings, it's that your feelings are utterly irrelevant to truth. So that's part one of why it's the year of hurt feelings. Throw all the tears you want at our brick houses of truth. We stay dry. Part two is that the battle used to be about hurting so-called liberal progressives, feminist Kool-Aid women and soy-embalmed men, assuming you can tell the difference. But those of us standing on truth now see that there's another category of people who desperately need to get their feelings hurt by the presence of biblical reality. The red pill, manosphere, MGTOW guys who'd rather play in the fields of pride, posturing, and sin than come in from the cold to repentance faith, and truth. Now look, I know many of these guys. I never identified as one of them, but I was among them. Many of them, I think, meant well, but many didn't and don't. And regardless, times change. If the renaissance of men is an ongoing conversation, a 40-year unfolding search for the truth about masculinity and femininity, once we hit on that truth, isn't it time for all of us to change? Apparently, the answer is tragically no. And it's worse than that, because some men double down. In normal circumstances, I'd say let sleeping dogs lie. But the renaissance of men is embedded in a larger global conversation about masculinity, and the manosphere was the last one holding the mic. Its ideas were the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Until a challenger appears. Which brings me to my guest this week. While he's certainly not the only one charging into this battle, he's the man with the loudest Leroy Jenkins I've heard in a long, long time. 
His name is Mike Pantile, and he's a husband, father, personal trainer, and Instagram content creator with a flaming sword of righteous words that I found incredibly inspiring when I discovered him last year. Or really, I couldn't ignore him. Day after day, his posts would appear on my feed or friends' stories, cutting up Manosphere's sacred cows like pickup, promiscuity, and red pill ideologies like they were nothing. I couldn't help but admire the slaughter. And with consistency and discipline, he proved himself not to be a flash in the pan, but a writer to contend with. And now here we are. Because his battle wasn't against men externally, per se, but against the bad ideas he'd internalized and that almost took him, his marriage, and his life down, all of which I relate to. So to see him crusading for the power of truth to redeem both men and women is a needed testimony that I'm excited to share with men and women today. In our conversation, Mike and I discussed Mike's journey of transformation and mine too, how the red pill allows men to misuse their gifts, the art of apology, manosphere caricatures and characters, Mike's redemption of his family name, fetishizing the so-called Sigma male, and why it's time to stop shaming men's weakness. If you enjoy the Renaissance of Men podcast, thank you. This is a free podcast that takes effort to produce. You can give back by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify and sharing this episode with a friend. Also, you can find this episode on the Renaissance of Men YouTube channel, which you can access by visiting youtube.com slash at renofmen. And you can find me hurting feelings on both Twitter and Instagram under the handle at renofmen. This episode is sponsored by my 12-week Renaissance of Men mentorship. The world says masculinity is toxic. Everything the world says is backwards. That means masculinity is medicine. Keep listening to find out more or visit renofmen.com mentorship to view testimonials and read all about it. For a limited time until the end of January, you can use the code intro to get 15% off. And a quick note about the mentorship my available slots are filling up fast. In fact, I only have one left. It's an incredible blessing to me, but there's only so many men I can support in integrity at one time. So if you're thinking about signing up, now's the moment before I might have to lock down new programs for a few weeks. A quick note about this episode. Depending on your sensitivity level, Mike and I get pretty raw with our stories. It wasn't planned, but it was important. If you're not sure how to interpret what you're hearing, think of it this way. Mike and I fight hard because we were fought for, by ourselves, by God and Christ, and in some cases, by our loved ones. As you'll hear me say, I believe this to be the price of redemption, being honest about where we came from, in the hopes that other men and women will be inspired to find their courage and walk with us towards the light. So please welcome this week's guest on the Renaissance of Men podcast, my redeemed brother in Christ who despite his long road, showed up right when we all needed him, Mike Pantile. Hey, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Dude, well, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. It's, it's an honor, brother. Thank you so much. Seriously. Well, the feeling's mutual. I've been a, I've been a fan of yours, not for a long time, because uh, you've only shown up recently, but, um, but I've been a fan since, uh, since I first started encountering your content. And we were just chatting before we hit record, and I just wanted to pick up where we were chatting because we were talking about um, intensity. We were talking about the ways that uh, 
that living, that being an intense man, living an intense life, doing things with full commitment sort of puts you at a, a pace and a tempo of living that's faster than a lot of people. And that's sort of a double-edged sword. And I wanted to hear, um, and I know that you and I share that, um, that level of intensity, and it shows through everything that you do. So I just wanted to pick up there and start the conversation there, because I'm sure that's something that a lot of men can relate to. Dude, for sure. And, and like you were just saying, it's a double-edged sword because you know the speed in which that we travel in terms of our progress is going to be an amazing thing. But when we hit those stumbling blocks, we smack our faces harder to the pavement as a result, right? That just <laughs> velocity. I mean, that's just yeah. how it goes. When you're going fast, you'll fall fast you, and you fall harder. Um, but too, I, I also like equate that because just like you and we were saying before we, we started recording, is that we tend to lose a lot of people along the way. Yeah. And it's not because we don't want to bring them along because we do. We welcome people to do that. I wish I could bring, and I'm the type of guy, I'm not sure about you, and I, you probably are. I want to bring everybody with me. Yeah. But not everybody's prepared to come with me. No. Right? And then, yeah. you know, especially becoming a Christian, I feel like everybody's a lamp. And then finally, you've switched your light on. And that really either attracts people to you, but it also repels them from you. Yeah. And that's been a really hard thing for me to reconcile too, because I'm a very social person and I want to just like bring everybody and have everybody part of my tribe. But I realize that's, that's part and parcel for, for being a narrow path Christian and not mm. you know, disciple versus Christian. Cause there's, I think there's a huge distinction between those two things. And I've only really started to realize that after baptism October. Back in, and that's when it coincided with the start of this page too. It was like the October? week leading up to my baptism. No. Yeah, yeah. And I've been, you know, I was an atheist for five years. I read all the Dawkins and Hitchens and Harris and theory of evolution, all that stuff. I was raised Roman Catholic. Yeah. And then, you know, I called myself a Christian for many years, despite being a red pill, degenerate, fornicator, as, I like, as we like to talk about all the time. And, mm. and you know, all of this substance use and, and, and mental health stuff. And then it, it, it led me to, to baptism. And there's a huge story that I'm sure that we'll, we'll, we'll you know, get into along the way. And in the week leading up to that, I just, I remember pulling my wife aside and I remember talking to her like a long time ago about this. I want to start this page that, that helps other guys out just by talking about my own mess. Cause my life's been a mess. And a guy that, you know, I follow and I, and I, I guess, I guess look up to in a way, his name is Ed Milet. I'm sure you've heard of him. And yeah, your mess is your message. And it totally is. And I said, Hey, listen, I'm not, I'm only 30 years of age. What do I have to bring to the table? But there's some things along the way that have less, left some clues along with some very hard realizations and, and circling back to what we were talking about is that not everybody really wants to travel the same pace as you. Some people like being, you know, where they're at. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Um, but it's kind of heartbreaking at the same time because you lose a lot of people along the way. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something that I've personally struggled with in many ways for a long time is the difference between um, giving light and giving heat, right? Like I remember, mm -hmm. um, like I've always kind of been this guy and I've just applied it to, to, different, to different things that I've done. And I remember sitting in a group of men, like my first real men's group, really transformative experience for me. And it was a group of maybe eight guys total. And it was facilitated by a therapist, which is similar to the kind of men's groups that I lead now, where it's like, there's someone driving the bus, which creates the opportunity for men to connect and not have to worry who's driving the bus. Like, no, this is the guy we're driving the bus. So we can really go into things. And I remember there would be moments where I would share things that were very 
personally meaningful or important to me and do it in a cer certain way. And I would find that the reaction would not be what I expected. And I sort of asked for some reflections about that. And I remember a therapist, a friend of mine named Jamie, he, he eventually did become a friend of mine. He said, you know, you, um, you have this way of sharing things in a way that leads people to disconnect because he's a pretty emotionally sensitive guy. And it's like, and, yeah. and, and the way that I eventually interpreted that over time is there's a difference between shining a light onto something and putting out a lot of heat and heat kind of drives people away, which is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a, you know, versus light invites them in. And that's a, that can be a really fine balance. You know, for me, it's like, which part of me is holding the microphone? I try to be really careful about that. I don't always do a great job, but there's a, there's a part of me that can hold the microphone that puts out a lot of heat. And, and uh, Ryan King, shout out Ryan King, Wisdom of Kings always, and now always lets me know what I'm doing that. And, and he's very movingly said, you know, this is, this is the side of you that's less effective versus the, the side of me that holds the microphone who wants to put out a lot of light and invite people in that's more effective. And I have to be really careful about that in my own life just so I don't drive people away despite myself. Dude, that's such a great point. And I've never heard it put that way. And it, it's like something just clicked in, in, in my mind. And I'm like, man, what have I been trying to achieve? I joined Brendan's Brotherhood, the Masculine Revival Brotherhood, sh shout out Brendan Schmidt. Shut and up, one of the biggest, well, the biggest goal that I, that I had going into that brotherhood was, man, I need to learn how to be more grounded, less bull in a china mm. shop, less jumpy <laughs> energy, less like in your face. Because I like that about you, know, but I get it. No, I appreciate that, man. I see that in you as well, but I see a more grounded version. And mm. I see that in Ryan and I see that in Brendan. We're like, it's, it's brought me a lot of good, but I think it's brought me an equal amount of bad. Yeah. And it's learning to um, shift between, you know, emitting that heat versus shining a light. And I guess the, the, the impetus for the page two was how do I shine a light instead of, you know, give off all this heat, man, you've just, you've just changed my life with that statement right there. I'm going to, I'm going to probably use that in a post and absolutely, uh, you know, reference you in it. Cause that's absolutely brilliant. And that's, a, <clears throat> that's a fine balance to strike. And I haven't really found that yet. Yeah. Um, because with a lot of passion and, and, and similarly, you can capture a lot of people, but you can also really deter a lot of people as well, where your message gets, sort of muddled in all the yeah. intensity. Yeah. Some people can't handle that kind of intensity. You got to be able to like rein that in and bring that in. And there's no been no greater lesson um, for me than becoming a father, especially to a little girl. Yeah, wow. And that was like the biggest ego death other than, you know, emerging from that water after baptism and then like, holy crap, feeling naked, <laughs> completely naked and like a baby in the faith, faith, right? And it's like, whoa, dude, I thought I knew what I was doing, but I really had no clue at all. And, you know, we, I didn't find that we didn't find out what, uh, for sex, not gender, because there's no such thing as gender. No, no, so two sexes, zero genders. <laughs> That's right. First hurt um, feeling of the, of the podcast, seven minutes and 42 I'm, seconds. I'm keeping a tally right here. So that's number one, but, uh, plenty <laughs> to come. Uh, I'm sure, but we didn't find out the sex on purpose. I said, you know, let's just keep it the way that, you know, God intended it. And when she came up, I'll never forget. They showed me her body and I didn't know little girl parts were puffy at birth and they looked like little boy parts. So I was like, this is a boy. I got my little man. And then they kind of all looked at me and they said, dude, no dude. And I'm not going to lie. A part of my heart, I'm not even joking. Yeah, and I, I and I, I swore, I said, Oh fuck, the girl. And I'm, I look back on it with shame because yeah. a, I'm not trying, I'm trying not to cuss anymore. And B it was just out of good reaction. That was just me, my ego yelling out in, in sort of disappointment. 
and and there was some real disappointment there but i think i misconstrued that disappointment for my ego just like dropping to the floor and shattering before my eyes because yeah. now i had to face that misguided intensity right because that passion and that intensity built my business and i would like to say that part of it got me my wife and got me all these beautiful friends that i've had but it's also allowed me to manipulate a lot of women and and use it for for sin yeah. and use it to consume a lot of alcohol drugs and and what have you along the way because what comes with that passion that heat is like a big appetite mm -hmm. you know i was a over 300 pound dude i lost 120 pounds in a year and a half i've deadlifted over 800 plus pounds you know several times 300 pounds i was over 300 pounds i was like 306 was this, I lost was this like, eight, like power pounds or was that power pounds or weakness pounds mix of both i like to say it was power pounds but it was it was a mix of both i just okay. started lifting it yeah right and so in a period of just like you you said four months six months you lost 40 pounds yeah six months just cut it off yeah dude in about 18 months i lost like 110 120 pounds that's a whole person that's a whole person right so i go and pick up two 60 pound dumbbells i'm like how the heck and so i was super unhealthy but that like i said that intensity brought me that and you know all the wow. you know the, the the feats of strength but it's also brought me a whole lot of bad that appetite you know literally and figuratively um is an appetite for destruction yeah yeah and that's another piece of this page i said man i hope you know, more young dudes in their twenties. Now that I'm about to exit my twenties this, this weekend, mm. I hope dudes in, in, in their twenties can take a page or two out of my book and avoid a lot of the mistakes that I made. Um, especially with this red pill manosphere, just garbage. Cause that's what it is. is garbage. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's really appealing to the ego. And now you just, you just pass something back to me. So thank you. Is this mm. the realization that, um, we as men are all born with different gifts, all of us all of us, all of us, period, full stop. Now, we can use those gifts rightly, or we can use them wrongly. So for example, you have a lot of passion, a lot of energy, a lot of intensity, a lot of drive. I have that, but like in more of like a diesel form, long-term grit. But the, <laughs> gifts that, the gifts that I've had that I've abused were like the gifts of, of listening, right? So I can think of times like, because I also had my time fornicating, like that was part of my travels. Like it was, it was part of the whole deal. I wanted the Indiana Jones archetype and I, I kind of lived it. And I was trying to figure out like, I've never been a super fit dude. I've never been a super out of shape dude, but I've never been a, a super fit dude. I've never been like what, I, what you would consider like cover of the uh, cover of the magazine kind of good looking. Like this isn't an incrimin incrimination of myself. Just like, it's just as I, as I honestly evaluate myself in that way and that's fine. But I've always, I've never had any problem having success with women. And I, I've been trying to figure that out. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fact of just listening and presence, right? Which is where I took these, I took these gifts and I, I misused them. I didn't know what I was doing. Like I wasn't in, I wasn't in possession of them. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this gift of listening and of presence and of paying attention for this purpose. But I did ultimately use it for those purposes versus, you know, versus understanding what these gifts are really for which is for the purposes of, which is what I use them for now, for the purposes of healing. Like my, the ability to listen to men and really give them a space to share things in a way that they don't feel judged or evaluated. And you hear this, you hear this on my podcast, you speaking of Brandon, you probably heard on my podcast with him, those first 45 minutes, giving him a chance to tell his story in a space of, of freedom and acceptance was very powerful for both of us. And now I, I, that same gift, I give it to men and it's powerful for them. 
But in the same way that you misused your gifts for sin, I've also misused my gifts for sin. And I think speaking of the red pill in the manosphere, we can look around like, let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about Andrew Tate. He's the guy on everyone's mind, so fine. This is obviously a man of considerable gifts. He's a man of considerable gifts, but he misuses them. And that's the tragedy of so many men in the space that they, there's something true in the red pill in the manosphere, but it teaches these men, it gives them this sense of um, ego and it gives them no reason to use their gifts for anything other than being self-servant, which I think is why I so appreciated your content because I was coming to the same realizations about it as you did. And then you're, and then you're, you know, you're, uh, you're raining fire and brimstone from the heavens <laughs> onto the manosphere popped up onto my page. I'm like, I remember messaging you the first time and be like, yes, <laughs> yes, a thousand percent. Because it just teaches men to misuse their gifts rather than put them in, in service of something higher. No, I totally agree, man. And, and it's, it's this thing where you see a lot of these guys the same way they talk about Andrew Tate. It's like, well, there's, there's, some, there's some truth to it. And William Nolan, one of the most brilliant men, and it, 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 all thanks to you and this mm. platform that you created, I had no idea who he was. And now he's just like exploded yeah. onto the scene with all of this. Just there are no words for what the, the type of content that guy puts out there, man. The, Let's just put it that way. He's literally the juggernaut now. It's <laughs> he, he is. Yeah. And he said, one of the founding church fathers said the greatest, some of the greatest heresies grow best under the shade of truth. Mm. And I, that's so profound to me because it's absolutely true. It's it, people are drinking from the entire well of Andrew Tate and the red pill, not realizing that they're drinking all of the fecal matter that comes with it as well. Oof. Just a little bit saying, of feces mixed in just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Exactly. That's all I, I equate it to. And it's, they're just basing all of the stuff on pure biology. You're completely, Right. You're just, do, do we forget that we have consciousness and free will, you know, due to the fall? Now we're aware of how naked we are. Yeah. And so instead, we're just completely ignoring the soul piece and instead just speaking to the primordial, you know, impulses that we have as, as, as men and women. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, it's, but it, in a way, it's, it's filling a gap of, of, and deficit of masculinity that just isn't there we're bringing it back. The virtue, virtue pill, your hurt feelings, we're bringing it back. But I can see why it, 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 or how it filled that need because I was so deceived, man, because I grew up with the typical blue pill lens of life. You know, sure. I was in relationship to relationship and I became the, the, you know, the beta simp for lack of a better term by the end of it. I, I can't picture any of this, like 300 pound Mike, beta simp, Mike just can't see. I mean, praise God for that. Like the transformation's real, right? I appreciate you saying that, man. And this is why I really try to pound home that, hey, I, 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 more, I know more of what I'm not versus what I am. Yeah. And, you know, people see, well said. The, the, you know, they, they see the physique and they see the tattoos and stuff. But let me tell you something, the physique and the tattoos before I became to Christ were a construct of my ego. And I said this in one of my earlier posts is that I have a crown on my hand and I have prodigal son on the other hand. Mm. And I basically just tattooed my ego on my body. That, that's how I look at this stuff. So I look at how do I, how did God, why did God push me in this direction? He wanted me to create this, I guess, in my own way of my, my own interpretation, this polarizing image to penetrate the minds of young men, because some men can't relate to the, to the youth of now, right? Yeah. So when I get these dudes coming up to me in the gym, they think I'm one way. When I start talking about Jesus, their mind is blown. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I come from one polar end, which is like this chubby kid that struggled with depression and suicidal ideation and was this beta simp guy. To the guy that, you know, w- you know, was broke to, you know, creating a business off the back of my weight loss and becoming, you know, 
one of the strongest guys in, in Canada, North America, et cetera, et cetera. But then using all of those tools for the wrong reasons, right? Mm-hmm. So most of my life I spent as a quote unquote loser. So when I encountered the red pill, and this was about 50 pounds into my weight loss journey. Mm-hmm. I remember encountering the subreddit for the first time. And I don't even know how I stumbled upon it. It was that and that uh, website that Roosh B uh, ran called Return of Kings. Return of Kings, yeah. Top, and toxic. About, oh, so bad. Man. And there's that, that, other, that other site, sluthate.com, which is pure black pill stuff at yeah. the time as well. And Roy you take C. all that stuff. Yes. Roycey yes, is, Roycey is like, is the bottom of the pit of the men's movement. Like it's, it's 100%. pretty bad because unreadable. Do you now. remember, totally. Do you remember book of Pook, Pookie or Pook? Pook I've, as got well? both, I've got, I've got it sitting right over there on my shelf. I tried reading and I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Talk about absolute hot eco garbage. <laughs> yes. Yes. But at the time you, I come, you come from, you know, most of us coming from this polar opposite end of beta, you know, pill dome. Now we're red pill. This is what we've been, we thought we'd been seeking, especially myself as a guy that didn't have his dad really present. You know, yeah. my dad was like the red pill guy before the red pill even was a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, cheated on my mom, even had the mistress at their wedding. Like it's just, it was just a whole mess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and seeing that. And then, you know, it's so funny before wow. we reconcile, you know, it's so important. And you spoke to this as well at the end. I believe it was at the end of that podcast on uh, Brandon Substack was that we need to reconcile with our father, the reconciliation yeah. of the father and the atonement of the father, right? And before I did this, I hated him so much. And it's mm. so funny how you become what you hate yeah. when it's not reconciled in your heart. Yeah. And I became no different. Oh, wow. I became exactly what I hated. Maybe a little softer around the edges, but just a different flavor, the same garbage. Mm-hmm. I was manipulating women no differently. I was abusive in, in, in no differently. I had no anchor because my foundation was of, of, of dust. It was of rubble. Yeah. And, you know, versus placing it upon, you know, bedrock, the foundation of, of, of the Christian faith in Christ. Yeah. And it does not to say that I still don't stumble, man. I'm, we're still, we all fall short of the glory of God. And I'm not yeah. trying to pretend that I'm holier than thou because I'm baptized. But I know, and I saw that, I saw this on a post, I can't remember who it was, but I know I'm walking in a better path now. I at least know this because I am more disgusted by my own sin than the sin, sins of other people. At this time, this red pill, you know, transformation, I hated women. I hated them mm. so much. I resented them. You know, it was very misogynistic. So I said, you know, okay, whatever. I'm going to rebel against this system that really I'm just playing into. It's just a different flavor of feminism, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so I'm not sure if you took the same path, if you went from blue pill to red pill, I'd really love to hear that. But that was, that was it for me. And I went from failed relationship to failed relationship on one end, but then failed relationship to failed relationship on that end. The only difference was I had more choice between what I thought, you know, was higher, more attractive women. Yeah. But really it was just two sides of the same coin, man. Different flavor of sin. That's exactly what it was. And I loved my sin and I wanted to keep it. Yeah. I never, I never went into the full um, woman-hating side of things. I, I spent a lot of time um, as as Brendan and Kurt from Dad Work, shout out Kurt, um, oh, yeah. did in the in the men's inner work side. So like the Mankind Project, lots of uh, lots of men's circles, initiations, stuff like that. And I spent a lot of time in that world. And then I discovered the Manosphere. I think it was 2018. 
something like that. And I started, as I do, just reading all the books and understanding all the stuff. And then I encountered Roy C. and, and Roosh and, and, and Book of Pook and all those things. Don't buy these books, guys. Um, no. Not unless you want to be, you know, um, truly frightened by what a lot of men, what, what a lot of men tend to say when they, when they're anonymous and have no accountability, but we can talk about that later. And, and I, yeah. I felt, I felt the, the real, the real, the real hatred, the real darkness, like I could feel it in my gut. And I was like, I never, I never went there because I had already done so much inner work to clear out my own guilt, my own shame, my own resentment that I was aware of it when it came up. And so I, I was, I was never bitten by that, um, by that black pill kind of lens. It was transformative for me in a sense that it taught me that it was okay for me to want the things that I wanted, that it was okay Mm. to want, uh, to want kids, to want a family, to want a young, beautiful wife to help me generate that family. Right. Because I had believed that I was a evil, bad, toxic, patriarchal male for not accepting the first woman who crossed my path that that was my responsibility. It didn't matter what situations they were in or had gotten themselves into. This woman was pre- presented into my life and I need to fix, I need to fix all of her problems and stay until I die. And I really did believe this. Um, no one ever said right. this to me, but I believed it um, un- until, until I die and, and until their problems are fixed, whichever one's first, which is always impossible. Right? So I was, I was, um, I was, I had the savior complex, savior mentality, whatever you, whatever you call that. I wouldn't have called it that at the time. I just thought it was kind of my responsibility as a man because men have been so oppressive to women all throughout history. So men shouldn't Mm. want things for themselves anymore because it's just oppression. I really, I really believe that. And I probably could have articulated it as soon as, uh, 2016, 2017, possibly something like that. So there, but then I did the inner work and slowly over time, the, the righteousness not self-righteousness, but the righteousness, the rightness of my desires began to surface. And then when I encountered the manosphere stuff, and I saw all these guys who, who were confident and outspoken and seemed to embody characteristics that I admired, not all of them, but many of them, I was like, wait a minute, I'm not the only one who feels this way. Even though all the force feedback in my life is telling me that it's not right to want these things, I have these guys that are objectively admirable in many ways and accomplished saying that, look, it's okay. And I could, I, I was insulated from their extreme views because I had been all the way over on the other side doing the self work. And so I could tell what was, what was toxic and not righteous and sort of, right. and, and separate myself from that and just really get into a place where I could just let it breathe in myself and be like, no, this is okay. And I'm going to take the Indiana Jones, you know, leap of faith. If you remember that scene from uh, the last crusade, um, and where, where he has to leap across this chasm. And he has to put his foot out and step down and hope that there's something there. Like I've had mm-hmm. to do that twice in my life, like actively against myself, leaving situations that my whole being told me that I needed to be in. I, you need, you cannot leave. You are not allowed to leave. And I had two processes in my life where I left them and shattered that. And so the red pill helped me do that without becoming full, like misogynistic angry. And so I'm grateful for that reason. Um, because it helped me break those structures in myself, but I didn't have to take on all the baggage of it as well. Wow. So this is, this is so interesting now because this is the first time that, well, not the first time. I mean, I, I guess there's, there's some positivity to be gleaned from it. I can yeah. only see that now on the other side is that it, it just brought me to Christ eventually. It was just a windy road. But for you, you were able to actually 
look at some of the, the things that they, you know, these red pill guys were espousing and apply it almost in a productive way to that relationship you were in. Uh, not apply it to transform the relationship, but apply it to leave. No, but to, to leave. Yeah, to yeah. leave. And so that's powerful, man. So that, that coincided for you in 2018, you said? At first, yes, yes. Two, uh, 2019, 2019, 2020. That's why I'm back in the United States and I don't live in New Zealand. Like I had to acknowledge, like there was a, a woman that I was seeing there who, who I was deeply in love with and her daughters and we're friends now. So I think it's okay for me to talk about this. But I realized mm-hmm. that the relationship, the way, way it was currently structured, was not heading in a direction that would, have, that would have served me and my goals. And so one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was leave that relationship. I did it very slowly, very carefully, because um, she had four little girls who I loved with my whole heart. And I loved New Zealand too. Who would not, wouldn't have wanted to live in New Zealand? And I right. left very slowly, just unwinding one thread at a time, making sure to express my gratitude in very, very con- uh, concrete ways. And then I left New Zealand in um, February of 2020, about a month before COVID. COVID was not a thing in February 2020. I got out of New Zealand. If I had, and this is the part that trips me out, if I had delayed even three weeks, it would have been a very different situation. As it was, I got to leave on my terms. I got to leave very slowly and very carefully and just gradually part ways. If I had delayed three weeks, it possibly could have been rushed because lockdowns were coming and the whole thing. So that's why, that's why I live here in Phoenix is that I was using these things. I was able to liberate myself from a situation that was 1000% headed full speed towards total, inver- total inversion, towards me becoming a stay-at-home dad because I would have been an immigrant. You know, I would have had to wait for my papers to get approved to work and all this stuff wow. while she was working. Yeah, it was, I, I've run through my mind in this many times barring that New Zealand has become a, a police state, essentially. Yeah. Um, I'm on mm-hmm. the New Zealand liberation team. I'm going to parachute into New Zealand and liberate that country when we get a chance. But, um, <laughs> but it would have been totally inverted. And I, I would have been living the exact opposite of everything that I espoused. And so I believe God rescued me out of the situation because I didn't do it only, only out of my own strength. Wow, dude. And were you a baptized Christian at this point? Were you a Christian at all? No, no. That came... Um, I hadn't even... Honestly, like in February of 2020, like really in February 2020, before I got back to the United States, if you had told me that in seven months I'd be a baptized Christian, I would have said you're crazy. Mm. Nothing in my mind was further than nothing. Nothing was further from my mind at that moment. Like the the notion that I am the guy that I am today, when I look back to like January 2020, is like. I, I probably need to spend more time thinking about it than this moment on the podcast would allow. That's tremendous, man. Because when you say that is such an incredible story of, of, of God working in your life without yeah. you even being aware that he, that he was, right? He's just nudging you in a direction. And, and not that I, I share a similar story, but I met my wife, my well, then girlfriend, for the first time in February 2020, way before all this COVID stuff had popped off. Dude, that's a, there's, you know, it's funny, that month has been, been had, has come up month and year a lot of guys that I know, and it was, a, it was like a turning point. And, you know, getting back to this, this red pill thing for a second. Yeah. How it's so interesting how, although you, people think that it empowers you, when you haven't really, first of all, when you haven't come to Christ, and when you haven't reconciled your own attachment issues, it exacerbates them times a hundred. When you're finally, when a woman finally gets her hooks into you, like finally you get into this relationship that's so toxic, but it's built around, 
premarital sex and lust, but you're misconstruing it as love. And this is why I love that you are one of the most foremost voices on not you and Nolan not having sex before marriage, because that is one of the biggest pitfalls, man, is you're creating these emotional, these soul ties with people that you truly have no intention of, of, of marrying. You're just obsessed and addicted to these, these people's bodies. And it's an uncomfortable thing. When I met my wife and I, I alluded to this many times in, in, in my posts, I remember sitting across from her and thinking, Oh my God, these games are not going to work on her. I don't actually need to use them. Wow. She was a devoted Christian at the time already, you know, reading her Bible. She was getting ready to go and actually swim in the Dead Sea or somewhere in in the Middle East. She was ready to go and do that trip. And then COVID kiboshed all that. But she was entrenched in her faith. And I meet I, I met her and it was like she shone this light on me. She brought this mirror up in front of my face. And I was disgusted at what I saw. But not only that, behind the scenes, I was still in this weird on and off relationship. That, and this is not to insult that person because it takes two to tango, but what had led to the demise of that particular relationship was that another girl that I was speaking to messaged her and, and, and let her know that I was speaking to many girls at, at once. Another pitfall mm. of that whole red pill, and you want to call it praxeology, ideology, like I don't care about the semantics, it is what it is, that whole belief system that's so toxic that makes you think as a man that you're entitled to, because you're quote unquote high value, and I cringe when I say that. That right. you can't expect a woman to be you, you can't expect to be monogamous to a woman where now that I know that absolute power lies in absolute monogamy to one woman and to your family and to their family unit. And so I was in this on and off again relationship. And when this mirror was put up in front of my face um, in the form of, of, of my then girlfriend, now wife, I felt that I didn't deserve it. Mm. And I didn't deserve that genuine love. And so we had continued to date and we tried to date and I trying to block this other person from my life. And I remember very distinctly um, two times where I was dating my, my, my wife at the time. This, we had broken up in between this, but anyways, we were dating and I was intentionally going to cheat on her. I remember one of these times was after church. After church, man, I was like lying to her to her face. Hey, wow. Karen, this is what I'm doing. And I'm texting this other girl. So we meet up, we meet oh. up at a place yeah, dude, literally, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't just combust into flames, you know, go walking into church that day because I knew what my intentions were that day. I knew it. Finally, because I was dating my, my, my wife, this girl over here was like, well, I want Mike back. I want my sort of little play toy back. And this is what our dynamic was. It was very back and forth toxic, right? And so I remember meeting up with her, feeling like this rush. And then all of a sudden we go to do it and something stops me, boom. And this has been the first time I would ever have cheated on anybody. I've never been unfaithful in my entire life up until this point. Mm-hmm. And how crazy it is that I went on to have, you know, a, a baby and, and get married to this woman. But it's so crazy. Something stopped me. And now I look back and it's God. But something was repulsed me and repelled me. And this happened twice, dude. One time was after church. And another time was I literally went to this girl's house. Right about to do it and just couldn't. Nothing happened. I'm telling you, nothing happened. And I remember sitting in the car after and I'm like, what, what the hell, what the hell was that? I run, I run to Karen and I, I sit her down. And I said, this is what happened. And this is, ha- this has happened twice in basically two or three weeks. And she said, you need to go and essentially destroy yourself before you realize, you know, what we have and what this is. Wow. She goes, I'm going to wow. pray for you. And like that, that was, I know that was so hard for her to say because this relationship 
she knew that she want some part of me she wanted to marry and she wanted to date and I, I couldn't, I didn't understand that. So we broke up and then I went and absolutely destroyed my life with this other person for over like March, April, May of 2020. And at this time too, what? behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. And, and the woman, so the woman who's now, the woman who's now your wife watched you do that. Yes, she did. And I literally, I would remember doing drug vendors messaging her in like the middle of the night after like a, a Coke vendor all night. And during this time, man, and I, I ran a gym. I don't even like, I feel disgusting, even disgusted, even saying this. I was drinking a half a bottle or more of wild Turkey, one Oh one 50% proof whiskey every single night, blackout drunk every single night, smoking like a half a pack to a pack of cigarettes every single day. I couldn't deal with the shame. And I wasn't just, you know, seeing this other girl, I was seeing other girls and just losing myself in this, like what I thought was, I don't have no idea what it was. And I remember I just, it came to a head when all of a sudden police got involved during like a domestic dispute. And I didn't hit her or anything, but I, I remember seeing some text messages and wanting to sit her down and talk about this and then just getting cuffed in the face. And next thing I knew she was on my back and the cops were there and I was getting reprimanded for something I didn't even do. I was like, man, I didn't wow. do anything, man. She hit me in the face and this is what happened. And I remember sitting there with like, you know, a bruised eye and thinking like, this is, this is what my life has become. This, this is, this is the apex of, of the red pill. I have all these notch counts and nothing to show for it, yeah. but just complete and utter brokenness. And what brought Karen and I back together. And again, this is not to insult that girl at all. I failed to lead all of these relationships. It was just, it was, it was built upon nothing but lust. Yeah. And so in June or July of 2020, I remember reaching out to Karen. She was the only Christian friend I knew at the time. And I said, Karen, I said, I have, I'm so sorry to bother you. You can just block my number, but all I want to do is meet up with you and just talk about God. I have no ulterior motives. And I didn't, I had no mm -hmm. plans of even getting back with her. I just wanted to talk about God. And I remember us walking through, you know, the forest in British Columbia and, you know, just again, that light just emanating off of her. And I didn't know what to do with it, but there was this genuine conversation and love like that. A Christian, now that I know Christians just give off and you were talking about heat versus light. This was just light, dude. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm being a battering ram in this conversation right now, but no, this is great. It brings, it brings me back to that moment. And this is why I'm so fired up about denouncing all this red pill stuff. Because I remember two weeks later, she messaged me and said, Hey, you know, I know you're trying to quit drinking, but you know, would you want to come by and we can maybe just have some sushi together and just talk about God. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. Cause this whole red pill indoctrination, had taught me, you can't be friends with women or whatever. And you know, I have my opinions about, you know, especially now as a married man being friends with women. But at the time I was a single guy. There was nothing. I, did, I wasn't beholden to anybody. So I meet up and no ulterior motives whatsoever. And next thing you know, I'm like for the first time and she, my wife is absolutely drop dead gorgeous, beautiful, but I had fallen in love with somebody's spirit in their heart and who they were. And if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't have gotten baptized. And in fact, I remember and I remember, and I don't know why God gave me this chance, man. I have no idea because he clearly had a plan for my life. He clearly did because I know I didn't deserve it. Um, going to her baptism and then feeling like disgusted. You want to talk about, you know, I felt like a demonic presence in, in within myself. I go in and hear her, her talk about her, her own story. She's getting baptized in the ocean. And I'm like, why is she getting baptized? This is so weird. Like, I'm never going to get baptized. Like, what is she talking about this stuff? She should be embarrassed. That's what I was thinking. And I didn't even stay for the whole thing. Right. I fled. 
And I remember that night we argued. Why did you mention this? Why did you mention that? And instead of seeing the beauty of it, my ego was still there, man. And somehow, some way, through this process, she stuck around. And through this, you know, it was process of heart softening for me. Two or three months later, she was hovering above my bed and, and said, hey, I'm pregnant. And But before that, I'll never forget either. And I'm kind of all over the place. But this is just this, this, this whole story. This whole story is like the origin story for my, my new life, it feels like. She, I remember her saying, we should not be having premarital sex. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, I call myself a Christian, but you know, like most Christians, they just cherry pick my sin, right? And right. again, another example of failed leadership, but now we have this baby. And that was my introduction to sort of like my initiation into manhood, which I feel like I'm still going through right now. So I know there's a bunch of word salad, but this is where the heart of this heat that I hope to bring light to when it comes to talking about this manosphere stuff, because there's a lot of men out there that are ruining really good women and ruling their chances with really good women. And they don't even understand it, that there's like this fear of missing out, bro. You ain't missing out on nothing, man. Yeah. They get real mad on, especially on, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, man. No, I mean, I, I try to point that out on Twitter. Like I did a, like one, one of the tweets I did recently that, went the most viral for me and where I am at in my Twitter journey was just like, if you, if you think that you're going to, I don't remember exactly how I phrased it, but if you think that you're going to live a life of unrepentant fornication, and then whenever you're tired of that, that a virtuous woman is just going to be waiting for you. Like you got another thing coming, right? Like that's just, that's not how this works. Not, especially not now. And a lot of guys got real upset. Like you just don't know how it works, bro. Girls like men with sexual experience. It's like, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think that, especially when we're playing by post twenty twenty rules, that a guy is going to go out and live a, a life of, um, of fornication and promiscuity. And like the trad virgin wife, virgin wife is just going to be there. Like I was waiting for you. Like no, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Now, if you repent and you feel disgust and fear and shame over your sin, I relate to all of this. Like I, I look back on my history, my past, and I see the way that the ways that God has absolutely bailed me out many times, probably many more times than I even can imagine. I can think of a few. And so, you know, it really just gets this point. By the way, I want to take a step back in the conversation and help people listening um, just contextualize a, a bit of um, a bit of what's going on. So, you know, there's a lot going on in this conversation with me and Mike, with you and I, Mike, sharing our stories, but this is the power of transformation that is available to men of redemption and transformation. And this is the price of that is to be able to, to look, to be able to speak about the things in our past that we're not proud of, that we're ashamed of, but this is the, this is the power of the Christian promise. And this is on the other side, this is the price of it is the power is to say all these things that we did that were objectively wrong shameful, hurtful to others, you know, and looking back, possibly even disgusting, immoral, hopefully not illegal, but sometimes that too, for some people, all these things that we look back that we're absolutely not proud of and that no man would ever be proud of, we can be washed clean and redeemed from all of those things and they have no pull. But the price is we have to be able to speak about them openly and to say, yeah, that was me. This is, this is, this is the, my testimony. This is the this is the power of Christ. Like we can't just sweep it under the rug and, and pretend. It's like, no, and I don't want to. Like I was saved from the man that I was. And I was talking to a friend of mine 
recently and and uh and you know he he had said sometimes I, I wonder if I'm saved and I'm like well here's the thing that we can we can I think you are but here's the thing that we know for sure is that we're not just saved from eternal damnation and separation from God we're saved from our sins are you still doing those things that you did I'm not and neither neither is my friend I am not the same man at all with the same values I don't want the same things in fact, I look back on the things that I wanted with my whole being, and it was like, like your tattoo, literally the prodigal son. Like I was literally eating with pigs, and and now I get to feast in the banquet, right? But I have to be honest with myself and say, like, yeah, I wasn't always this guy, you know, absolutely, absolutely not. You know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't getting, uh, I wasn't getting uh, blackout drunk on wild turkey and stuff like that. But you know, but I was, you know, I was participating in pagan practices. You know, those, I, I don't, I think from some, some perspectives, those, those aren't much better. I don't think God would look at that and say, this is better than the other. I think they're both out of, out of his desire for us. And I can look back on all that now. And my testimony is to be able to speak into what we might call the new age and these other and say like, yeah, no, that's, that's, you're eating with the pigs at the trough. And for you, it's like, Hey, if you're living this, you know, this, this rock and roll lifestyle, that's eating with the pigs at the trough and letting men know that this is what it is. And you can be washed clean and redeemed and finally be at peace. Like, I think that's, I think that's a powerful message. And so for the listeners, that's, you know, who, for whom this, wow, that's a lot for these two guys to be sharing. Like, yeah, because, <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not heroes. We're not superheroes. I don't think of myself as a super, superhero. Christ is a superhero. His redemptive power, that's the real superhero, yeah. right? And so, and so um, it's, it's, I'm, I feel very blessed to get to share this with, with you, Mike, because these testimonies are powerful and, and to men who are listening and, and thinking that their, their sins are too great to be forgiven. Absolutely not the case. Absolutely not the case. I agree. I agree, dude. And, and, and just your point about, you know, you, you going through all that, uh, your voice is so needed because you come from that new age, but not, not just that you didn't just dabble, man. Yeah. You were full on whole hog into the thing. I don't know how many you said peyote rituals that you did or ayahuasca rituals that you did. 15. Dude, 15. Like that's, that's just crazy, man. I, I'm, I, I, did, I can't even imagine doing shrooms one time. Cause I just feel like I'm one bad trip away from staying somewhere in like middle, middle earth spirituality. But that's crazy, man. And that's just an example. And same thing with, with, with my, with my life It's just misdirected. That's that misdirected heat, that yes. misdirected passion. And I'm not sure if you went through the same thing. And I went through this period of like, I felt unworthy of God's love too. I said, mm. I must just be banished living this life of just hollowness and emptiness and with my attachment issues being the way that they were because of my childhood. And, and that's just it. That's my life. I don't see anything other than this. But the fact is, is that, that redemption does exist, but you also have to be ready to put that stuff away, right? Mm -hmm. It's so easy. And I came out, this is not to discredit my childhood because there's a lot of beautiful aspects of Roman Catholicism, but my issues with it is the legalism and mm -hmm. the, the, you know, confession and saying, you know, X, Y, Z prayer. And now you're, you know, you've repented, you've atoned. It's like, no, it's more than just words. It's actions, it's thoughts, mm -hmm. it's speech. It's so much more. And so for most men listening, I know for myself, for me, it was my anger and it was my lust. Mm -hmm. I was a very explosively angry, abusive guy mm -hmm. and a very, very lustful guy. And to that point about lust going through that period about uh, the, the, through the red pill. And again, I want to make it abundantly clear that I don't have it all figured out. And, and this is, this is a perfect example of this is this was about two months ago. 
month and a half ago. Anyways, I quit pornography long, long, long time ago. You know, that's not even something worth even mentioning, but anybody listening, if that, that's your first step right there. Mm-hmm. The second thing for, for me as a married man was I'm going to save all of my energy, my sexual energy for my wife. There's no putting my seed down the drain or in a sock. I'm not doing that anymore. I don't care how hard that is. If I can't, if I, I'm no better than a bonobo monkey. If I can't just stop touching myself, dude, like, come on, you know, even jokes aside there, like that, that, that's enemy number one. That's your first frontier as a man for lust. It's like, Hey, can you, can you stop doing this for 30 days? Or can you just direct it towards your wife if you're married? Yeah. But, especially you know, that. Right. Like, come on, man. I mean, it, that alone transformed our intimacy and no, no question, man. Like that's how God wanted it. Mm-hmm. And the third and fourth thing that I, I think many men don't want to realize, well, first of all, if you're single, stop having sex before marriage. But let's just speak to period. the married man here real quick, period. That there's mm-hmm. no exceptions to that rule. You just love your sin. But third and fourth point is your eyes and your thoughts. For me, it was my thoughts and then my eyes. That was the process. And so I remember sitting my, my wife down and saying, Karen, you know, I've done these things. I, you know, there's no self-pleasure. It's all for you. But my eyes still wander. Mm-hmm. And I know I have, I have a choice in this. But it's it's hard, and I mean, man, I was sweating during this conversation, and you okay. could see her taken aback by it. But I said, you know, I know you're going to have this reaction. It's it's not because I'm any less attracted to you. You're the most beautiful woman on this planet. You always will be for for the rest of our days and after. But I'm telling you this as just to tell you that I'm I'm going through this process of putting this old self to death. He's not all the way. He's mostly dead. But there's that 20% that most men still cling on to. It's that those eyes and those thoughts. And so for me, the thoughts were easy to control. Mm-hmm. I'm a pretty disciplined guy. Shake my head out. Stop feeding those thoughts because what you feed grows. Mm-hmm. Where you water, that grass is going to grow, period, yeah. right? Yeah. But the next thing was, was the eyes. And, you know, when you go to the gym and, and everything is so pornographic, right? And I it think- It really is. It's, it's absolutely insane, man. I mean- you go look at look at what most guys are following on Instagram. It's like, why are you why are you even putting yourself in that position, dude? It's like you're that dude that you're like, okay, I'm married, I have kids, but I'm going to the club and I'm getting drunk around a bunch of you know, you know, attractive women. Like, why would you do that? That'll be fine. It's fine. It's totally I can fine. Quit yeah, I, think I want, bro. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're lying to yourself, bro. You're full yeah. of shit, straight up. And so that was a very uncomfortable conversation to have. So that those thoughts were put to death. But it's so funny how sin is like this, this autopilot thing where you don't even realize it, man. I find myself, bro, and, and, and listen, I still make mistakes, you know, hopefully not, you know, willingly all the time, but definitely not willingly all the time. I'm not choosing to look. Your eyes just go where they go. I'm, I'm like looking at the ground. I want this, this beast to be put to death so badly. I'm just like staring at the ground. And some people, some women in, in the gym think I'm just being standoffish. I'm like, my whole thing is I'm a, I'm a social guy, sociable guy. Blinders. I go up to everybody and say, yeah, blinders. And they're like, man, but you know, the thing is, it's so funny. It's, it's nothing against these women. I just, I'm not going to go out of my way to validate you anymore. Mm. And you know, it's funny when you stop doing that, they present themselves in your periphery, not just in your periphery, your direct line of vision, where there's like 17 squat racks to use, but you're choosing the one right in front of me. You're using the station right in front of me. It's like, I don't even think you realize you're doing that. And Probably even me right. as a guy, right? It's like, you don't even think you're realizing you're doing that. You just don't like what you're, you, you don't like being deprived of what you're used to getting, getting from me too. Mm-hmm. And same thing with me at the gym. I got to watch myself. Like, you know, 
I don't want to cause other women to lust either. And that's not to say I'm this handsome dude or whatever. I, I'm, that's not that's well, not the point, right? Well. <laughs> Thank well, you. But yeah, I, that sounds super super self-aggrandizing. But that's not it's what not, I mean. I know, you know what you mean. I know exactly what you, you mean. You know what I'm saying? I don't want. To, so I have to watch that because before I would I would find. You know, I'd wear a tank top, but I wouldn't wear a tank top because I was hot. I'd wear a tank top because I wanted attention. There's, there's a difference in the intentionality there. Yes. That the and same action so, done for two different intentions causes a different result. Absolutely. So when I'm hot in the gym, I take it off and I'm fine with that because I know, well, first of all, I'm not wearing a stringer that like I'm basically naked. It's just a tank top and that's what I'm doing, right? Yeah. But the intention a lot of the times before was how many girls were looking at me? That mm-hmm. little part of me, that, that little part, that, that Satan was still like, hey, man. You know, you still got it in you. See, see, you know, see, still see how, you know, people can react to you. And I don't think guys want to really acknowledge those two points, the thoughts, the eyes and the actions, mm-hmm. because there's this like really weird sentiment out there, you know, so your wild oats in your twenties and Hey, you can look at what's on the menu. Just don't order it. It's like, bro, that is just disgusting, juvenile, yeah. grown up child behavior, man. Yeah. And there's nothing more gross than seeing a dude with a wedding ring on simping after another female. Get your head straight, man. Give it a shake, uh, bro. Yeah. The worst. And, and, and you see them doing it consistently. It's like you are, you could be, and I don't know what these guys, what they're going, you know, what's going on in their household, but you could be directing that energy towards your wife. And I guarantee you, man, you wouldn't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it you would get, yeah. Right. Go ahead. No, no, no. And I just said, you, you, the only female validation that matters, if you have daughters, obviously theirs matter, but it's your wife, man. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not just this person that nags you. And that's one of my first posts that kind of went nuts was the myth of the nagging wife. A lot of guys didn't really like that. It's just <laughs> pointing the finger right at dudes. And this is the thing, man. Me and Ryan were talking about this and people, all these dudes are going nuts, nuts in his you know, comment section about, you know, maybe the problem is us as men. I fully believe that, dude. I yeah. think... You know, of course, women are to blame for some stuff like that's just using your head. But if we really want change, we got to shoulder not only the burdens that were designed and commanded to shoulder by God. Those are our God ordained duties, but it's also shouldering the burdens that we don't want to have to carry. But we have to anyways. Mm -hmm. Because if you're just blame shifting, this problem just exists in perpetuity. And this is where the red pill comes in. Right. You either got the passive dad who just doesn't care. Or you got the dude that's just opted out. It's mm-hmm. like not enough of just absolving yourself of this responsibility. Take responsibility in always, right? This is a thing that we never even had to talk about back in like the 20s, 30s, and 40s. People were, men were too busy fighting wars and doing man shit. Where now it's like, you know, you get your vape taken away from you or, you know, you can't play video games or Wi-Fi stops working and you freak out. You know, it's just sad, man. Yeah, yeah. Men don't like to have they don't like to have the things that they use to soothe themselves taken away. And that can be, that can be, you know, alcohol, that can be video games, that can be porn, you know, that can be, um, that can be casual sex. And that can also very easily be excuses, right? We were, before we were, before we started recording, we were chatting and I was talking about how I did um, a hundred hour fast between Christmas and New Year's this year, which is like just over four days. And I was talking about how I'd had a really tough couple of years and I had to let a lot of things go, a lot of betrayals, a lot of heartbreaks, professional, personal. I've referenced some of it, um, I think, in some of my recent podcasts. And, and uh, for those who listen, my, my Khalil Gibran poem, My Defeat, when I read and interpreted that poem back in September last year, is kind of part of that. But the thing was, during that fasting period, I had to really sit and reflect like it would be really easy 
for me to look at all the guys who've literally like broken my heart, like, like good friends, right? You know, brothers, it's like shake hands, look in the eyes, like very close kind of stuff. Like I thought these were my guys and look at all that and just blame them, blame men. And not, not a small amount of like emotional heartbreak as well, trying to find, you know, dating and stuff like that. As I've been working through a lot of things, it's like, I could blame the world. It would have been really easy for me to blame the world. But it's like, you know what? I had to sit down during that time fasting and really look and say, no, it's something about me. Like the common thread of all of this is me. There's some way that I'm not being, that there's some way that I'm being or not being. And I had, I ultimately figured out what it was. There's some way that I'm being or not being that I have to work through and get to the bottom of to really understand like why I'm bringing these things into my life. Like why, and if nothing else, why is God, God ordaining these things for me? And I had to work through that. And so I think a lot of men and women too are hesitant to really turn you know, their, their outward gaze and to put up the mirror and say, okay, what am I doing to create these situations? What do I need to repent deeply for? What do I need to look at in myself and recognize like, no, like I'm, I'm, I'm contributing to this, if nothing else. Like these, you know, they're not flying in out of nowhere, right? And so that was a really powerful thing. And I think it's something that a lot of men don't really have. I would say they don't want to do, but I think a lot of men just don't have the strength to do it. They just, they just don't. And that's not a criticism of them as beings, but to really take on to yourself your own cross, like it takes a certain amount of inner strength. And a lot of guys will avoid taking on their own cross because they think that they've put on enough muscle that they don't have to. Like, look at how fit and strong and wealthy I am. I don't need to carry my cross of sin. I'm awesome. And then, you know, <laughs> something crumbles them, right? Yeah, you know, you know, right? You know, and, and to your point about the fasting, it's funny how that came, that, those realizations came off the back of voluntary suffering. Absolutely. And this is why I, you know, I speak so strongly for men getting in the gym and becoming as physically strong as possible, not just for, you know, um, the benefits like, you know, being able to push through resistance and changing a relationship with pain and reconnecting yourself with the toil of being a man and being a son of Adam. You know, it's, it's also because what exists on the other side of like this divine voluntary suffering is, is realizations and epiphanies about yourself that you never knew existed. Mm -hmm. Right. So lifting weights to me is more than just lifting the weight, this inanimate object. That's just, it's just such an arbitrary activity. It doesn't really mean anything. It's a meditation with, with, with God. And in those moments of suffering, well, there's two things. There's one, I'm able to be present with somebody like me. It, it, I find it very, very, very impossible to be present. I find myself in this permanent state of like blissful dissatisfaction, always mm. thinking about tomorrow and being okay with it right now, but always thinking about tomorrow. But it brings me into the, into the present because of this just void of, okay, I'm going to break myself if I don't pay attention because I'm lifting six, seven, 800 pounds or whatever it is. I'm just focused on what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And on the other, and you don't have to lift that much weight to understand what I'm trying to say. Right. But yes, uh, you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get stronger, bro. Nobody cares. Work harder. Oh, that those, shit so much. oh that, that's coming. That's coming down this year. That's coming down this year. Yeah, it is just stop all that, man. And, yeah, and yeah. then the other side too, is realizing how weak you actually are too. Mm -hmm. And because every time I go to the gym, I'm like, man, I could be so much better. And then when I leave, I, I inevitably, not every single time I leave with a bit of a realization. It allows me to recalibrate my perspective on so many situations. Like, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have reacted that way. Or, you know, maybe I need to be more grounded and choose to be kinder with my wife when I don't want to be. Mm -hmm. And this is, 
a book that, that I thought was awesome and referring to Ed Milet again was The Power of One More. And, you know, that was, it's about, you know, making one more phone call, choosing one more time to, to be not angry, but kind. And in that, in my head all the time is, okay, just one more time, one more time. When I don't feel like going to the gym, just go one more time. It's all good. And it's the other side of that is always goodness. Mm-hmm. And it comes these, these, with these epiphanies about myself that I don't think could have been made evident without that voluntary suffering. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of men suffer for the wrong reasons. Pornography, lust, you know, drug addiction, alcohol, sex addiction, what have you. That's, yeah. the, that's misdirected suffering. Suffering is a vital part of human existence. And I think it's because a lot of guys ha- are so disconnected with the good suffering, just like Christ suffered on the cross and not taking the pain relief and all, all of that. Mm-hmm. But then that energy is directed over here and it's easy to suffer for those reasons because in the moment it feels, it feels gratifying, but it's, it's hollow. It's empty. There's nothing that exists on the other side of that. So I just found it very, very interesting that after that hundred hour fast, you came to all of these realizations because I truly believe, and I don't even know, I probably got this from somebody. There's a divinity to suffering. Absolutely. Yeah, there was. And it was really important that I go through that. I didn't even intend to. It's like I'm going to fast for 24 hours because sometimes I'll do that. But I got 24 hours in. I'm like, I'm just going to keep going. And I determined that, you know, um, I determined that let's go for four days. And then I got to 100 hours. And at 100 hours, I knew that I had done what I needed to do. And I love that you said that the power of one more. Because um, we were talking earlier about, I think, your relationship with your wife and the need to apologize and confess. And I don't remember where I said this, but yeah, there's been a lot of times in my life, particularly over the past year, where it's like I've taken the hard step to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, I'm yeah. sorry. You know, it's like I think I said, like, I, I hate that I've, I've gotten good at the art of apology, that I know, like, yeah. once I actually touch on what it is that my conscience tells me that I did wrong, because I won't just apologize to somebody if I feel like they're upset, unless it's important. If it's that important, yes, absolutely. But like, I want to find out, like, something in my conscience is bothering me about what I did wrong. And I don't know what it is. And I'll dig until I can find what the thing is actually that I did wrong. And then I apologize for that, right? Whereas opposed to like, I'm sorry, I made you feel bad. It's like, no, I did this precise thing. And this is what hurt. And this is what, this is what bothers me. And I'm sorry. That's from having to apologize so many times that I've learned that. And at the end of my, at the end of my 100-hour fast, my sister and I have been estranged for about two, two and a half years. I haven't talked since then. And I realized that there was something that she had asked me to apologize for. And in the moment, I, I didn't do it appropriately. And I finally, after two and a half years, this is 100 hours into my fast, this had come up like, mm-hmm. I need to apologize to my sister. I need to apologize to my sister. But finally, at the very bottom, I realized like, oh, that's what she was asking for. And it was like, wow, like the amount of pride that I had built up around that was real. And so I had to really take, I took about 24 hours from that point to get maybe longer, actually 24, 48 hours to get to that point where I could really humble myself and reach out to my sister and apologize for what I had done wrong. And that the, yeah, and that the, yeah it's stuff that's 20 years old. And the, and the thing is the stuff about fasting, like it, it didn't teach me like a, how right or how righteous I was. It taught me how, how, how righteous I wasn't. Right. Yeah. And that was the thing. Same with, same with letting all that stuff go of all the betrayals. Like it's not about you know, it's not necessarily just about forgiving them, although it's a part of it. It's like, what did I do wrong? How am I not, how am I not perfect? How am I not the righteous one? And really accepting that and accepting that responsibility for my whole life. And then everything like flowed out of me. I bought it like a, like my whole body was like this water balloon that burst. 
everything just came out. And I, and like it was a, it was really I felt in a very real way reborn in in a sense. Um, and I really and I really needed that. And that's to your point. That's the power of positive suffering. Is I'm going to consciously engage with denying myself something for as long as I physically can and see what happens. You know, and and I think I think for a lot of men, you know, that would be re- a really valuable experience. And also a, a big key to that too, I feel like is, is because you're, you have to kill your ego to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, in some way, right. Yeah. And, and, and man, apologies too. I mean, there's a reason that pride comes before the fall, right? It, it, that's the death of most men is this, this hardened pride. And cause there's a key difference, man, between, and I hate hollow apologies. Like, I'm sorry I made you feel bad. Dude, don't even <laughs> open your mouth. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. even open your mouth. That is yeah. way worse. You made it worse. Coming, and you just made it worse than just saying, listen, I'm sorry. Yeah. Even if you left it there, that's better than say, I'm sorry that I made you feel bad. Like, screw that, man. Like we're not in grade seven anymore, but even more. And this is something I learned with my wife. It's like, not only am I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for this reason, that reason, and this reason. Bingo, bingo. And I understand that it's going to take you a while to get over that. And I understand. I just hope that you can forgive me and just have some mercy on me because I'm a flawed human being. That's raw. And but what that is, is shout out to Benito. That's authentic. Ah, uh, Benito. Love that guy. Love that guy. Like, love him, man. Um, and I, I think this is why this movement as a whole, you know, you, Brendan, Ryan, you know, I'll put myself in there. It feels so yeah. cool to even say that, is that it's because we're all coming from a point of authenticity. Yes. And I think none of our pages, certainly, especially not mine, would have been as impactful without that element of authenticity and just talking about my own mess and my own struggles and just putting it out there because it takes humility, humiliation. They're, 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 <laughs> they're the same word essentially in, 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 in part. It, it, and that's what it takes because this, this manosphere thing, this whole masculinity space has been plagued with so many caricatures. How many guys, and it's funny because I see the Spartan helmet behind you mm-hmm. is how many guys use imagery like that and it's always just so powerful and virtuous and regal and then the caption is just some stuff like never let a woman disrespect you bro it's like man shut up what are <laughs> men you talking do hard, about men do hard things Fifty thousand likes two hundred thousand followers <laughs> bro i needed to hear that. if your name's got alpha in it or yeah. you know oh whatever pick up artistry this or that it's all just bullshit man <laughs> yeah because it was it Ryan on your podcast, that four hour one, which I listened to a couple of times, right. you know, seriously, it's awesome conversation is how many, like, and, it, and it's amazing how well it does. Hard times create strong men, strong men, create good time. Like that. It's like, man, stop regurgitating the same stuff. So that's why when I came across your page and Brendan's page and Ryan's page, I was like, Oh my God, oxygen. Yeah. This is some realness going on here, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's not this caricature of like the, the virtuous man that can do no wrong, you know? And, and I would talk to my buddies all the time. And I, I, I was calling Andrew Tate out. Yeah. I wasn't doing it publicly, but like months and months ago to my buddies who were like, I'd, I'm like, this guy's a fool, man. Sure. You can take some nuggets of truth and yeah. Okay. It's kind of funny when he dismantles feminism, whatever, but that's more so because it's just, it comes across as so bombastic and in your face. Right. But, and it represents all of the worst elements of it's not real masculinity. It's just, 2023 modern masculinity because the, the virtuous Christ Christ like virtue pilled masculinity is so gone. We're bringing it back, but it's so gone. And that's why there's such a, 
visceral reaction to when we make these posts and you see these guys just go off, you know, whether you're, and you know, maybe talk about this later, you know, whether you're a solar masculinity or whatever the hell, or you're red pill masculinity and stuff, it's just, it's, it's misdirected masculine energy, man. And it, and what it is, is just, it's selfish and self aggrandizing. And, and this is why people latch on to guys like Tate and, and, and Tomasi. Cause when I read the rational mail for the first time, I'm like, Oh, there's some, I can, you know, I can understand this. And then you read it again with this new lens. You're like, what the hell was this dude talking about? Oh, wow. You're telling dudes to not get married and you're married. Like, what are you talking about, bro? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're talking I, about, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've met Rolo and I've spent time with him and I've actually, I've actually been, uh, been to his home and, and I've, in his fourth book is about religion. And at the end of that book, I haven't read two and three, but I read one at the end of that book. He talks about where he stands on faith. And, and he says at the time, this was 2021 at the time he said, I'm, I'm conceptually very much in favor of marriage. And I don't, I wouldn't say that his, his profession of his faith was like ringing at like Doug Wilson's level, but like, I believed he was sincere in that section of the book. It's at the very end. He says, I just think that marriage is such a bad deal for men right now is, is what he said. So I, I, I don't, I, to, to, I don't usually speak up in defense of guys because there's lots of things, but like, I can say that there is a, there is a sincerity Rollo just because I've met him. And at the same time, there can be a big, well, I don't know where he's at right now. Let me put it that way. But at the time when I met him, you know, there, there, there was, there was definitely a, a grappling with a bunch of larger ideas where it's like, gosh, there's some part of him that I think really wants to go into the side of actually being virtuous. And I think this is maybe reflective of the larger manosphere that there's a call forward into virtue. You said that masculinity in the manosphere is a caricature. And what I want to say is it's actually characters because the manosphere yeah. grew up out of the pickup era and the pickup era was all guys playing characters. Like mystery was the classic example, right? He was just playing a character and that same notion of men doing various styles of performative masculinity, whether you're the barbarian or whether you're the entrepreneur or whether you're the, or whether you're the, um, the suave playboy, like all these characters that surface actual men in the manosphere surface these ideas of these different archetypes, but ultimately none of them could stand up to the bright light of what it actually means to be a man. And so that's been happening over the past year or so where there's been a call forward to some greater notion of masculinity, but these men can't step out of their characters. They're too attached to their characters because their characters made them too much money to let go of it, repent and yeah. be an actual yeah. earthy man. And so that's what's happening is the manosphere is literally getting torn in half as some men are moving out of that, as you and I have done, and becoming actual embodied, authentic men. Uh, uh, I don't like this word, but open about, I was going to say the V word, open <laughs> about our struggles, open about our challenges, open about our defeats, our flaws, right? All these things open and say, look, I'm a 360 degree human being. I'm not a character. Don't see me as a character. I don't want to be a character. And lots of guys, they can't open up that side of their being. They can't be true. They can't show who they are because they've lived out of alignment for so long and they don't accept Christ as their Lord and Savior who washes it all clean. And so they're stuck in this place where the dialogue shifting and Tate is a character. He, I mean, yeah. even, even his biggest fans and friends, many in the war room are like, yeah, he's, he's playing a character. He's not actually like that in real life. And I believe them. It just means he's a character, right? He's, he's, play, he's acting versus what I think a lot of men in this space are doing, you, me, Ryan, Kurt, Brendan Pickett, 
we're trying to surface as much of ourselves as possible, 360 degrees, without oversharing, right? Which is sometimes hard yeah. to do. And that's a very different feeling than I'm going to craft this image of myself and squeeze myself into that box so I can sell something, right? It's a very different kind of energy. And, and to speak to Rollo, I think he, like many people in the Manosphere, invested a lot in the creation of a, of a character. And now there's a real question of like, well, now people, are want, people need, the, the dialogue needs authenticity. What do I do? And I think a lot of men will answer that question different ways. And some will answer it correctly because I think there's a correct answer, which is you become a full, complete, washed whole man, uh, open about your flaws and your strengths versus, no, I'm going to stay and continue pretending to be something that I'm not. And so I think that's the, that's the, larger, that's the larger conversation that's going on right now. And I appreciate you saying that about Rolo, man, because it would behoove me to go back and read his more recent work because all I'm stuck in is like that rational male. His new book is and about, I, his new book is about pickup. So for, so like that was the thing coming off of his book about religion that I think made some really good points about how Christianity is going to be infiltrated by non-Christian beliefs about mm-hmm. how the, the point of the book is that um, over time, this idea that God is love, which is true, will be subtly spun into this idea that love is God. And people will yeah. start, right? Yeah, it's a great, look, it's a really great book. And at the end of that book is where he talks about his position on faith and marriage. And I think he, he was very honest in that section. His fifth book is about pickup. And I was very disappointed. I was disappointed to see that. But you know, you, you put it way better than I could have. I think it's just being trapped in a character that he's yeah. created for himself. Just like, and, yeah. and I think he's, he's not the alone. Least, right, he's just certainly not alone. And, and, you know, he's a human being just like we are made of flesh and blood. But I think he of all the characters too, he was far from the worst. Let's put it that way. You know, I think there was a right. lot of points that could be taken away from the rational male. And this is by all means, I still hold my position on, on guys like him, but with what you said, I, I don't think anybody's beyond redemption. I don't even think Tate's beyond redemption. Absolutely. Not I just, either. I just don't, I hate the message that he's putting out there. Um, I, and, and I wish, ahead, I wish ahead, someone man. would, I mean, he was on Zuby and I wish someone would preach the true gospel to him. I, I wish, I wish. Cause I because think, it, and, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, please. No, I was just going to say, like, he's a man of such considerable gifts to have them in service to Christ and the kingdom would be incredible. And just to hear him blast Christianity, you know, in that, I, I used to, for five minutes talking about how weak it was, should really show people, because there's all these people like, he converted to Islam. He didn't convert to Islam for any genuine reason, man. Right. right. No genuine reason was then, then that was just the ideology that can fit his lifestyle and not make him feel so bad about it. Right. If we're right. just calling a spade a spade here, man, I mean, you know, there's one true faith and there's only one way to God and that's through the sun, right? Without spurring up a debate, we, you know, I can be, I'll, I'll talk to anybody. I'm not the most, you know, theologically, you know, inclined person, but certainly God's given me some wisdom to talk about these, these, these things, but it's very thinly veiled. Um, um, it's a thinly veiled conversion. It's not real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I see all this stuff about him being controlled off, but let's just pretend that's not the case. Who right. Knows? Who knows? And who really cares? The, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, is that people are eating this guy's content right up and mm-hmm. eating the bone. Like they're eating the bone too. They're swallowing the whole thing. Yeah. There's no value to be derived here, you know, because I can guarantee, I can guarantee you, unless he's like the most narcissistic person, but I don't, I, I think the veneer is, but I think, I don't think he's pathologically narcissistic. I agree. Because you see glimmers of hope. I don't think he's pathologically narcissistic, and he's not certainly not beyond redemption. But I think when his head hits the pillow, no different than any of these other characters, 
He's like, man, like, what have I done? I got, I, I can't go the other way. And this is why I absolutely have so much respect and love for Brendan and what he's doing, man, because he's built this whole page masculine revival on, you know, true masculine tenets. You can't go back to any of his stuff before his, you know, him, his conversion and say, this was wrong. Certainly not wrong. It just came from God. I guess maybe he just didn't realize it at the time, but coming out with that kind of boldness, despite everything that he's built is just, is I just, I can't express my respect for that man enough. I agree. Because it's one thing to create a page around this, right? And say, this is, I'm the Christian dude already. You know, this is, you know, just like me, I've come out of the scene and everybody knows I'm a Christian, but the way that he's done it too, it's been very nuanced. And it, I, I truly believe that guy's going to introduce a lot of people to the kingdom. He's going to alienate a lot of people. That's what comes with the belief. You know, that's just what comes with the belief. That's fine. I've alienated a lot of people. I've lost a lot of friends. It's in the book. I can't talk to certain. It's in the book, man. Read the book. I'm not, you know, it's just, we're not full of crap here. Yeah. But talk about a brilliant way to bring people about it and, and, and yeah. putting this like, hey, I don't care about what I have to glean financially from this. Um, and I think he said this in your, in your recent podcast. He's like, he could be the character guy that went this way. He, he came to a fork in the road, this way or that way. And he chose the righteous way. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 and I just can't wait to see what God's got in store for him in 2023 and beyond, because it's just some of these conversations I'm having, just I'm sure like you are behind the scenes with them is just, they're just tremendous. And I think a lot of speaking back about Tate and those guys, these guys can become so entrenched in their characters. And I think they're afraid of showing who they actually are. There's, or there, the characters make them a lot, can make them a lot of money and make them a lot of money. Right. And that's not to say that's Tate's motivation. It's not, not his mm-hmm. motivation. But like you show up on the world stage and you're on the news programs and you're being interviewed on the podcast and you got your shirt off and you got your sunglasses on and you're smoking a cigar, you know, or you're in that, in that Vredi with Greta, you know, where he's wearing the, 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 the Hugh Hefner robe, smoking a cigar. Yeah. Like he's an, like you can make a lot of money as an actor <laughs> on any stage. Right. So it's like, and then at a certain point, if you're acting the same character all the time, like at least, I don't know, like George Clooney pick, pick an actor, right. At least like, he finishes filming and he goes back to being whoever George Clooney is. And then he puts yeah. on another actor. But when you show up on the world stage and people begin to develop these expectations of you, you have to play that same character over and over again. But you're not playing it on a movie set. You're playing it in real life. And I'd imagine at a certain point it gets a little messy. Like, who am I really? Am I the character yeah. or am I the guy who was playing the character who I spend less, I spend more time being the character then I spend being myself and then, you know, danger going that way. It's like actors like Christian Bale and Leonardo DiCaprio, they're method actors that are insane because they, they, there's, there's a hard great word. Who are, who am I? Right. Who am yeah. I? You become, you're so you're, you're the dark knight. Who am I? Am I the dude in the, in the machinist? And they do an incredible job. That's why it's so powerful, mm-hmm. but that's a double-edged sword. And if we took a step back, people need to realize that nothing on this earth, nothing horizontally, and stand up to the weight of the of, of that, that kind of worship, right? Even even guys like Jordan Peterson, man. Yeah. I love him too. But when I take a step back and I look at it from a bird's eye view faith perspective, I'm like, dude, just convert to Christianity already. You're you've been flirting with it for years, man. Stop this like philosophical pseudo intellectual meandering. Obviously, he's a brilliant guy and he trips up his he trips up over his own intellectuality. And I can't even I don't even hold a smidge to that guy in terms of how smart he is, but that's a double edged point. That's a double edged coin too, or a double sided coin as well. 
that becomes idolatrous, right? Just like anything of this world can become. It's just, you're talking so much about Christianity. You're talking so much about religion. God is not just not, he's got a megaphone to your ear, but bro, it's like, turn your head, look, look to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, when I read the 12 rules for life, to to be completely honest, I was a little confused. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you read the book, but it's, you know, and it's me, I can, I can see what can be gleaned positively from it. But beyond that, you know, when he talks about it's so individualistic and your own version of heaven and your own version of hell, and you kind of get lost in the weeds of this philosophy, it's like, dude, just open the Bible. Read John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Just just start there, right? Because what you're searching for is there. And many people can argue with me, but I've lived that life of trying to find these things here when I just have to focus my eyes up and say, I'm lost. Jesus just saved me, like save me from myself because none of these people on this earth can save me like you can because mm-hmm. they're just idols and they're all just going to collapse under, under the weight of that worship that only, and I repeat this phrase over and over again, stop looking for horizontally what, for what can only be found vertically. Mm-hmm. Like and, and this is, you know, and, and this is why I'm diving into, you know, a little bit deeper theology and re- really trying to read the Bible and understand it because I find myself tripped up in some of these debates with atheists or with Muslims at times because, yeah, I've, I have a lot of wisdom that God's given me, but there's still that there's still a little bit of a missing link, and I want to be able to deliver the message in a sort of a nuanced way without coming across as just like the Christian grifter guy. You know what I mean? Because I'm not right. that. Right? No, <laughs> you know what no, I, mean? I don't. I don't think so. And 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 um, you know, I, I think. Gosh, there's there's so much there's so much in there. Uh, the first thing I want to say is I want to come back to a theme that came up earlier is the the right use of one's gifts. Like again, we as men and as women are all are all given our own unique set of gifts. And if you're if you're a phenomenally gifted man like Jordan Peterson is or Andrew Tate is or whoever it doesn't matter, right? And you take you take those gifts. There, those gifts are only going to serve one of two things: yourself or God. Period. There's no third choice. Right. Like, even if you say like, oh, I'm using it to serve humanity. It's like, well, I mean, like, what does that actually look like? And if we were to really take that apart, like ultimately, like you're kind of serving some <laughs> aspect of yourself, right? Like it's self-serving, even if it's to deny the truth. But when you actually, this is one of the most powerful things I learned about Christianity when I was in the process of converting before I got baptized. I was reading, I think it's in, um, I think it's in Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And he says that you give, you give your, yourself to Christ. And he gives you back yourself, but renewed. And, and I was, I was like, I I encountered that idea and I was, I was in a short story. I've talked, I think I've talked about this before, but I was in a short story writing class and I was like, okay, well, let's try that. And I, I, I prayed, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I prayed about giving, giving myself to Christ. And then immediately after that, I wrote the most beautiful short story that I've ever written wow. in my life. And I've never written a short story before. Like it was like the second short story. It was like, like it, it captured all these different emotions that I was feeling all during my travels, my time in New Zealand and everything. And it was like, wow, this is really beautiful. And it was like this little tiny piece of proof to me that like, there's some reality to this when I was in the process of getting baptized. Maybe it wouldn't mean anything to anyone else, but it definitely touched something in my heart. Like, oh, wow, when you actually do the thing, the thing happens. Like, okay. So in the same way that you look at all these, these phenomenally gifted men, and we've listed a couple of them, but we could list hundreds of them who are using their gifts in a self-serving way. And maybe at first, it doesn't start out that way. 
And I think that's the big tragedy that a lot of guys feel when you, you, when you see these guys come onto the world stage and their early stuff is so great and it's so legendary and it's mm-hmm. breaking down doors and they're awesome. And then slowly over time, that kind of drains away. And it's like, was this who the guy always was? Because their stuff isn't hitting the same way. And I think what that is, is at a certain point, what was very like spontaneous, like, oh, I just feel called to give this way. And it was like naively self-serving ultimately becomes more consciously self-serving and we feel that wow. right and and versus like i'm like what's the step beyond naively self-serving serving god but then you're not your own then you have to humble yourself and again like you said men's hardened pride men's hardened pride it's literally the thing i mean like you know that was satan's whole deal but um not to call anyone satan but like pride is the root of all sin right so um so i think that i think there's some really important um things that you're calling out right there of like, yeah, this is, this is great. But like, when is it, when are my gifts, your gifts, anyone's gifts going to actually serve something truly greater than myself, truly greater. And in a way that like, not that the world economic forum says I have to do or the UN or whatever. Right. But like the actual, you know, actual Lord of heaven and earth, like that's a, that's participating in something meaningful, but you just, you know, you don't get to drive the bus. You just get to ride on it. Man, you put that way better than I could have. That was like a mess of words. And you just like put it right to the point I was trying to convey. And that's why you're doing what you're doing. You do so well uh, in this in this, this platform. It's funny. Thank you. Um, and, to, and to that point as well, I've experienced a smidge of that with this Instagram page. Mm-hmm, I bet. Because as yeah. you know, as you know, that rush of, you know, people recognizing you is, mm-hmm. is tremendous. And it's a rush indeed. It's that dopamine. It's all like, oh my God, I'm getting validated for this work. Recently, in the last, I would say, you know, month, month and a half, I only had the page, you know, three, three and a half months, but I went from like posting every day, but it went, it started off with very pure intentions. And then, and just like you said about that short story, when you pray, God gives you this, this, this wisdom providentially, boom, drops it. You have no idea where it came from. It just came from the air and you're writing and it's like this this flow, this train of thought, stream of consciousness comes to the paper or comes to the laptop and you're just, whoa, how the heck did I create that? But what had happened with me, and I'd be, here, I'd be curious to hear your perspective too, is that it, it became idolatry. Mm. It became, okay, did, did all these guys acknowledge this? I'm, I want to I create this, this, this piece of content that these guys are going to acknowledge and repost where then the intentionality wasn't to, to help people out or to get my message out there anymore. There was a couple of posts where I had to go back and just delete them. And I look back and I, I kept a lot of them too. And I look back at, and, I, and, I, and I think at the heart of the intention of the posts, the intention wasn't good. The intention was self-serving entirely where the whole point of the page was to not be that way. Mm. But you end up drinking and getting drunk off your own Kool-Aid sometimes. And I'm a small fish in a big pond and a big sea of these juggernaut people like yourself and Ryan and Nolan and, and Brendan and Kurt, where you could tell there's purity in what you guys, not that you guys haven't fallen victim to this mentality as For well. Sure. I'm sure you guys have, but man, it, it took Brendan and Ryan to say, bro, dude, you got to slow down a little bit, man. Like you're putting out a lot. You're going to burn yourself out. Just like slow down, bro. Like just slow down. And since doing that, I don't feel this pull to just post for the sake of doing it. I don't feel this pull to just post a story. And, and do it because I'm not doing it for me. Ultimately, the purpose is to be an example of Christ, show people what I don't know versus what I do know. 
and bring people to the kingdom. Because as I'm sure your DMs are flooded with people that are asking questions about God and struggling with stuff. And what a gift it is to be able to help those people, despite me not knowing a whole lot. You know what I'm saying? Um, but then when those posts finally do come forward, they're pure and, and they do very well. And, but you're, 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 you're not attached to whether they do well or not. But I also had another epiphany too, and this was off the back of a post last Friday, the Inconvenient Truth stuff, which is completely and in, entirely inspired by your hot takes. Was that- That's great. That's great. Completely, bro. Completely. I went back, I'm awesome. like, yo, this is just fire, man. <laughs> I created that one for the wrong reasons, bro. And it ended up being like my most highest performing post. And I don't even care. I almost consider it taking it down. I, I did. I got more positive reactions than I did negative, but I felt awful about it. Because I remember praying and God was like, you know, I could feel God saying, hey, don't, don't put that out there, man. You got to talk about that. Like, there's, there's no love in that. Like, there, you can do that with righteousness that still kind of conveys that love, but you're just, you're just being controversial for the sake of it. Mm. And I put it out there and I remember not feeling validated by the wave of, of support and shares. I felt disgusted, man. I felt really, I just didn't feel good about it at all. Uh, and getting all these, you know, really supportive comments, but really nasty comments and nasty DMs. I'm like, what am I doing this for? Now getting nasty DMs because you're putting out a pure message is one thing, but getting the, 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 the clap back and the backlash from you just being a prick is different. Mm-hmm. And I remember me and Ryan talking about that and, and, you know, him, you know, revealing some stuff just like in his humility about how some of this social media stuff kind of gets to our heads at times. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and it, we have to just delete it and put it down because it just affects us emotionally. We can feel us walking in that sin nature again. We're like, man, I'm so like, I'm, my, my nature is so evil sometimes mm. where I'm going back and I'm like, look at these comments. I'm filtering them out. I'm like, what did I even do this for, man? And so, you know, not to meander on that point, but it, it really is a journey. You know, social media is a trip, man. I, I never thought I'd be using it to this degree, but Putting stuff out with the wrong reasons for the wrong reasons, regardless of like sort of the, 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 the recognition you get on the back of that is just not worth it. And some people have pages that are built upon being controversial. I just know, man, that ain't me because bro, I'm not, to, I'm, I'm not joking. I lost sleep that night. Mm-hmm. I drank a little bit too much because I was just, I was just trying to numb this anxiety and the stress of like, man, God, I just feel so, you know, to that point about feeling disgusted by my own sin. I felt like I put that out there with a completely wrong intention. Mm. And I got what I deserved. That was that divine discipline. And God slapping me on the face and saying, don't do that again, man. Just don't do that again. You're not doing that for the right reasons. I just want to honor you for the strength of your conscience. Like that's what that is. Right. And, and I, I think a lot, a lot of men would um, in your position would attempt to silence their own conscience or ignore it or just go on and do something else. Um, but it's a real sign of how, um, of how it's not how seriously you take your faith. It's how deeply your faith is rooted in you. That something like that as, as small relatively, right. As a social media post, like it's not small, like in the, in the grand scheme of life, like it's just, it's just bits, right. You didn't rob a bank. Right. But still yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you feel that you feel that, that disconnect from who you feel called to be and who you're actually being and that it troubles you enough to lose sleep over it that's that's honor it's truly honorable you know and like and that you're conflicted like do i delete it it's the most popular post or but that you're willing to be honest with yourself and say like 
I was just being controversial to be controversial and, and, and to, not, to not even rationalize it to yourself and to say, well, well, it did well, so maybe my intentions were good. You know what I mean? Because sometimes we do that. Like a thing will do well. It's like, oh, my intentions must have been good. It did well. <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't work yeah. out. You know, you know inside your heart. Now, whatever actions you take ultimately are between you and God, but the honesty with yourself is the most important thing. And certainly I would say that from having been in that position myself, the important part is the repentance and to not do that again. Because I know that feeling. I know that feeling when I, when I pop off and, and I, mostly it happens in my stories, not on my posts when I'm like yeah. a, prick, a prick accidentally or, or not totally accidentally. But, you know, because sometimes the outrage just kind of builds up and boils over and it's like, bro, like F this, you know? And like, I have that in me. Ryan checks me on that too. Shout out Ryan. Um, and, oh, yeah. but I, I found that my, and over, over time, that desire has really diminished as, um, as I guess my own sanctification process, but also knowing that like, I just feel gross when I do that. So I'm not going to do it anymore. And, and ultimately like whatever short-term satisfaction, cause that's sin, right? We get a little bit of short-term satisfaction out of it for a long-term pain. And then we have to go back and repent. And it's like, I just, I just don't want to go through that whole, it's not worth it for that little, that little short-term satisfaction anymore. Not even a little bit. And I want to hone in on a particular, not even a little bit. And not, cause it's all just dopamine and porn makes you feel that way. Is it good? Yeah, no, I was having the same <laughs> you know thought. What I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I want to hone in on one slide in particular, because it's one thing to do what Nolan did and break down the way of men for what, for what it is in that book, because he did it brilliantly and he did it academically and it's irrefutable. But when I called out solar masculinity, it was just like, dude, I'm just being controversial. I've met Jack before. He's a good guy and I'm just being an asshole. Mm-hmm. And whether I could have voiced that opinion in, in a million different ways that could have really like communicated my faith a lot better and just saying, Hey, I don't think this is right. But instead, you know, calling it homoeroticism was just me being a jerk for the sake of being a jerk, man. And, and you're not and the first that, person to say that, but I understand that it doesn't matter. For sure. It, it, exactly. And then, you know, you get a bunch of people in the comments, and which it invariably happens every time. And I said, you know, it was this worth, was the juice worth the squeeze here? Hmm. And even Ryan said, he goes, man, he goes, well, he goes, you attacked him. I said, no, it wasn't an attack. It was an observation. He goes, nah, man, it was an attack. I said, you know what? You're right, dude. <laughs> damn you, Ryan. You're damn you, man. Like you, you you're right, bro. You call me out of my stuff because yeah. I'm just now I'm on a hamster wheel. It's men, mental masturbation and trying to make myself feel better. And and I had to take that Saturday and Sunday off and to really like cool down because usually I post on a Saturday, I take Sunday off. And like I need to just take Saturday Sunday off and just like reevaluate why I even even doing this because I want to want to I want to communicate a, a pure message, not through the lens of controversy. But through a lens of like, this is what I'm going through. These are my opinions. There's an exploration of ideas going on here. But I can do so and toe that line of controversy without mm-hmm. just being a jerk for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm no different than Andrew Tate then. It's just a different flavor, right? It's just saying stuff that people are thinking, but you're just saying it in a really poor way. Yeah. You have to be, we, we, as, as content creators with an audience, as men trying to blaze a new path forward for masculinity, as Christians, you know, as, as just the men we are uh, with the life paths that we've led, we have to be, the call is on us even more to be, I mean, it's on everyone equally, but because people follow us and listen to us and take us seriously and the things that we say have resonance beyond our immediate, I guess you might say, field, you know, we have to be really discerning about what we're saying and, and why and how. And that's one of the reasons why I take so long to do my posts. Like I post like once a month, right? I think at the, my I peak, admire that. 
Thank you. I mean, like, it, it's not great for growth, but at the same time, it's like, it lets me know, like, for example, this, this third obesity post that I did today, like I spent so good. Thank you. I spent, I spent a lot of time on that and the, all of them, because it's like, I have to make sure I have to be real careful how I'm doing this because what I don't want, what I, what I don't, what I really don't want is I don't want to pour a lot of energy into writing something that's important to me and lose and lose my grip on the wheel for even a second and have one small thing I say, throw the whole thing off. Like the tolerances, the tolerances are really fine. Like I'll just, there are things that I want to say that I take out because it's like, I don't want the whole thing to hang on that one sentence. And the sentence can only be a few words. So I take it out because, because it, would, it would dishonor the whole intention. And so that's why I take so long to write because I make sure that it's like, have I, is it finished? Great. Have I revised it? Yes. Let me sleep on it a couple nights and let me come back to it in a totally different state of mind. It's like, how is this hitting? And then get to the point where it's like, do I need to say that? Do I, do I really need to say that? Or will that be misconstrued? I need, I'll take it out. And then ultimately I put it out. It feels clean and I can let it go. Like, cool. People like it. People don't like it, but I said it. I said it. And the exercise has value for myself, but it wasn't always like that. Like there's a feeling of power. There's a real feeling of power with having influence of being able to do a viral Twitter thread. Like I know why guys get so addicted to Twitter. Cause when you get good at Twitter, it's a thing. You see those numbers mm-hmm. ring up and you know, that stuff's going viral around the world. And who knows? Like it's a, it's a thing. Instagram's different. There's a different feeling to it. But like, I understand how guys can get completely lost in this world. Again, getting back to the character thing. Like, are you who you are or are you your Twitter post persona or are you your Instagram persona? And once like that gap, for the people just listening, you can't see what I'm doing with my hands. Once that gap starts to grow, and this is what I'm talking about with your conscience, Mike, which is admirable, like that you feel just the slightest gap, like, nope, not good enough. And you come back into alignment. Some guys, they'll let their conscience like get so far. Mm-hmm. And then, and then what happens? Like God comes in, circumstance comes in and shows you and everyone really clearly how far out of alignment you are. And that's disaster. That's the, depending on how far that's disaster. And that's when you're going to someone and saying, I'm sorry, and maybe they forgive you, or maybe it's like, no, 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 not even, not even one step out of alignment. In fact, I've, I would imagine that there are times all throughout our lives as men where we're actually, you know, based on the total, if we look at our lives, however many years we've been alive, we're probably out of alignment with things in our past, which is why I go back and think through the things that I've done. And if I feel like I'm out of alignment with something in the past, I'll pick up the phone and call somebody. Like, not Good. if I Love need, it. not to redig. like there have been things like, you know, maybe there's something I did like in high school. It's like, I don't need to call that person to apologize for something in high school. You know, I might like to, but there's no point. But still, like rectifying our conscience, the satisfaction of living that way is priceless. It's priceless. <laughs> and I, and I, that's to your point about when I put my head in the pillow at night, it's like, yes, I'm the man that I say I am. Fall asleep. <laughs> Versus like, I'm a character. I'm gonna wake up and have to start pretending. Yes, man. And you know, when we were talking about your, your, that third post in that series, everything you said, dude, I could sense when I was reading it, there was restraint there. There was honesty there. There was tough love there because I know you could have, I know how like you could get to some, you can really communicate a message in a really like sharp way, but you chose not to, right? That's meekness. You have a sword, you know how to use it, but you keep it sheathed, Right. And so instead, what I got from that was honest, tough love. But like I said in the comment, there's an emphasis on the honest love part. Even for me, if I were to really, (laughs) 
read that in the most like triggered outraged mentality, like mindset. I don't think I could find anything to get mad at besides myself because it convicts me. And so, and this is something that like, I love having this conversation with you, man, because this is something I really want to take away from, from, from you as a person. Cause I feel like I take bits of, 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 you know, you, Ryan, Brendan, Kurt, like everybody that I've communicated with and what a, what a gift it's been to communicate with you guys is that's some serious restraint, man. And, and, and that's a theme that is very prevalent amongst this whole movement is that there is this restraint and there's very few guys that can be as powerful as Nolan and do it in the way that he does. Like he's his own, you know, Ryan even said, he goes, if I were to wear a Jersey with a guy's name on it, it'd be Nolan. And I say, Hey, I'd be willing to make an exception for that. You know what I'm saying? Cause like, you know, he's just a unique case on, on its own, but even him, there is a, there is a, there is a, a powerful restraint in his message. Mm-hmm. And it, a lot of the times it's, it, it's irrefutable, but I have to say, man, everything you said about that post, bro, was absolutely bang on. And I could sense it. I could sense how much thought was put into that. And, and I hope to take away even a little bit of that. And to your point about my consciousness and that, that gap between, you know, me being who I am and that character, that is the whole point. And I think it comes down to this cheesy term that I think has been overused by like Gary Vee and the whole self-help space is self-awareness, mm-hmm. right? I need to be able to look at myself in the mirror and put my head on the pillow. and. I remember my first real encounter with this was when the COVID lockdowns came in. Not to make this about COVID now, all of a sudden, boom, now we're talking about COVID. That's fine. We can do that. Yeah, absolutely. So, and okay, mask mandates, uh, you got to shut down your gym, non-essential, all this stuff that I just fundamentally didn't agree with. Now, there was a point that uh, for a couple of months, I wrestled with the idea of being the gray man, of kind of being in between. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and my best friend, Paul Lazenby sat me down and he said, dude, what you're doing right now, I know you, you're, you're better than this. I, I know how you truly feel and you're being weak about it. He said it in much harsher terms because we have that relationship. Sure. And it was like a punch in the face, but he was absolutely right. And then I found out that my wife was pregnant and I was like, okay, well, what kind of father and husband and man do I want to be? I want to say that I stepped, you know, in the face of adversity and walked through the crowd or that I became the crowd. And so this was my first real lesson in, in, in self-awareness and, and, and standing in congruence with my character, the person that I knew that I was and thought that I was, instead of just kind of blending in. And it's not, it's not easy, man. It's not an easy thing to do. That was, that was probably one of the hardest things I've had to do because, I mean, on the back of it, I flourished. Like the business took off and it did extremely well and nothing happened. Praise God. Hallelujah. But I didn't know that. All I knew was that it all comes down to the central theme of I've got to be true to myself. And that's it. And that's why that post bothered me so much because it just, that's not me. You know, I'm this harsh guy. But again, I think these terms of I'm passionate, I'm hot headed, I'm, I'm, I'm high strung. All of those are just people making excuses for their lack of control of their anger. That's all it is. Right. Right. That's the hardest thing for me to learn is that like, yeah, this high strong guy. No, dude, you're just angry. You have unreconciled anger in your heart that you got to you got to figure out because it's affecting your wife negatively. It's affecting your, your daughter negatively. And praise God, I've got it mostly under control now where it's a choice. Where am I going to play into this character of a high, strong, passionate Italian guy? Or am I just going to become what I know God is sort of like calling me to do? It's like just lead with love, man. And righteous anger 
doesn't mean that anger bubbles up and allows you to sin. Righteous anger still has the undertone of love. And this is why I admire that post is because you could feel the love on the foundation of that post was love. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to. Mm. And love can be powerful. Love's not always just so wishy-washy soft, but people can tell the difference between I'm using my faith to justify wrath, which is sinful, or this is truly righteous anger, but at the basis of it is love. Mm. And, you know, not to go off on a tangent there, but I feel so convicted when I know that I'm walking outside of alignment with my own values. And I know I'll probably stumble and make a post that I'm not proud of in the future, but I know that that, that inner voice is going to be a lot, a lot louder. And I'm going to pray a lot harder before I put something out, put something else out there because yeah. yeah. No, I, mean, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you're, it does get, the voice does get louder. It, it totally does. And we got to learn to, I had to really, it's, it's a hard thing. I had to learn to listen to it because all the while when I was this red pill guy, I never listened to that inner voice. So it was just like, Hey dude, like you're, you're empty. Like stop doing this. Like there's a reason why you have to numb yourself with alcohol and drugs to be with these women and you're breaking hearts and they're breaking your hearts. And, and, it, and it's not right. But the more that you listen to it, it's no different than your bicep or any muscle in your body. The more that you train it, it can be good or bad. The more that that thing grows, but the less that you, you know, the more that you ignore it, the more that it atrophies and it just withers away. And so I'm really, really, I try to pay attention to that sort of philosophy in all aspects of my life is that, do I want the right things to grow? or do I want the wrong things to grow. Am I ignoring the right things and watering the wrong things? It's a song and dance and, and talk about repentance. That thing's got to get renewed every single day. And I, I trip up over that. They're like, okay, I'm this new being in Christ, but like, why am I still sinning in the way that I am? Oh yeah, because I'm just fallen by nature. But that's also not an excuse to keep doing it either. Right. And, th- and that's a hard thing for me to reconcile, man. Like I, I feel so, I feel like a baby out the womb that's just learning to walk. <laughs> you know what I mean? The world says masculinity is toxic. Everything the world says is backwards. That means masculinity is medicine. Everything the world tries to shame out of you is what you need to live a healthy, fulfilled, virtuous life as a man. But I said shame out of you. Everything you need is already within you. Because you can't get masculinity from the outside. You can't buy it in a PDF or watch it in a YouTube video. That's what the men who lead cults of personality sell you. Keep watching my content, they seem to say, and you can be a man like me. It doesn't work that way. Virtues cannot be purchased. They must be cultivated. To become a virtuous man takes dedication and effort guidance and feedback, purpose and direction. No one can give you those things but you. Our fathers are supposed to train us in virtue, our churches and culture too. But for those men who grow up with absent, abusive, or distant fathers, what then? For men who grow up in feminized churches, the situation gets worse. And don't get me started on culture. It can all seem hopeless, but it isn't. The Renaissance of Men is about the worldwide movement to rebirth masculinity for a declining age. That's what everything I do is about, because that is my story, and it can be your story too. I'm thrilled to announce my 12-week Renaissance mentorship, your chance to make all the values of the Renaissance real in your life, with guidance from a man who's lived it, 
and the wisdom of dozens of conversations with other men who have too. But here's what makes this mentorship different from the other coaches, courses, and programs available on the internet. I don't want you to become a carbon copy of me. I want you to become the best version of you, expressing all the gifts that you've been blessed with. That takes conversation, care, listening, and investment. Everything you've heard on this podcast. And that is why it's a mentorship. To learn more and see my testimonials, visit renofmen.com slash mentorship. There you'll find much more information than I can give in this brief ad. I'm very proud of this program. It represents everything I want to see in the world, and I believe in it with my whole heart because it works. I'm so confident in it that it comes with my personal guarantee. In 12 weeks, we will permanently change the direction of your life as a man, or I will work with you until we do. And for a limited time until the end of January, use the code INTRO to get 15% off the program. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance. I agree with the the feeling of frustration, like I should be further along than I am. Like, aren't I made new? And and I think that's actually been one of the best things for me about becoming Christian is that we talked about earlier just how much time I spent in the new age. And in the new age world, there's a never-ending list of practices and modalities and meditations and stuff that's all supposed to, you know, get you closer to, depending on who you talk to, enlightenment or your best life or inner healing. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of like turning yourself inside out. Like like an, one ayahuasca ceremony is like six or eight hours of that like enforced in your entire body and psyche. And it can be quite grueling physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And just multiply that by 15, you know, but more than that, because I've done more practices like that in various states of states of consciousness and sobriety. And I did that for years. And since I've become Christian, you know, Christianity talks about sanctification and regeneration. Like I'm going to take from you your heart of stone and give to you a heart of flesh. And the reality of that, and that, and that there's nothing really like there's things to participate in. And that makes the process like rectifying your conscience and speaking, speaking truth and gentleness and meekness and all these things allow it to progress at a faster rate, but it kind of has been happening on its own as I'm feeling, and in fact, even beyond the level of my participation, this total regeneration of myself and, and like, for lack of a better word, my consciousness. And I think you heard in that podcast that I did recently for Brendan Substack, the difference that he saw, has seen in me over the couple of years that we've known each other. And when he said that to me, that was very, still is very meaningful to me to see that the way that I've changed and continue to change surfaces on the outside and so the point is like, it should, I should be further along than I am that I think I heard you say, it's like, bro, you're at the beginning of a, you're at the beginning of a lifelong journey. Like if you go back and you listen to my friends with spot podcasts at spirit dream, you know, I think, um, at least a couple people on that panel, I think I know Rob and I think Katie as well. I think they're, um, they're in there. I would imagine that they're either in their late fifties or early sixties at this point. Like they, they were baptized at some point, I want to say in their twenties and they've been on a 30 or 40 year journey through Christianity. And, and I think even they would say like, oh, we're just baby Christians. 
you know, of course I, I look at them and I look at um, what I see as, as just their absolute, the, res, the ringing resonance and beauty of their faith, which continues to inspire me. But it, it really is the truth about it being this lifelong journey of sanctification and becoming holy as it spreads throughout the entire being. And I, and I think that this is something that people who are born, in, who aren't born into the faith, who come to the faith like you and I have, is a very unique experience um, that I really enjoy sharing with people. And certainly I know lots of people like me, particularly those coming from the new age, you know, who have experienced this total transformation of being. And it's very, um, it's very rare and it's very precious and it's very, and it's very real. And so I guess my, my, my response to what you said is just, you know, I understand the frustration and the hard charging and the want to be better than I am. And at the same time, like it's just going to unfold gloriously in your life because it has in mind. And for me, it's only been a couple of years. And so I think it, I think it speeds up. I'm not, I'm not quite sure I'm learning as I go, but I think it speeds up. I totally think so too, because with more time and, and fear of the Lord comes more and more wisdom. Yeah. And especially when your, your heart is set on him and you know, we know that we stumble and this is where for me, I'm kind of an all or nothing kind of guy and everything becomes an idol. Right. But you know, what's amazing it, because even this, the walk can become idolatrous. That's it's probably a lack of a better, there's probably a better yeah. term to describe that. It becomes, it becomes like, okay, I got to do these things. Why am I not doing these things? It's like, no, wait a second. Just take a step back, dude. Don't make this the same thing that you made lifting weights. So this is, this is to me, one of the, right. So this is to me, just like you and your one ayahuasca ceremony away from enlightenment. For me, I'm five pounds away from feeling good about my physical strength. Oh man. You yeah. know, it's, that's what it is. Because, dude, take me anybody in the gym, I'll show you a two and a half pound plate that'll staple their ass. Sure. We're made of flesh and blood and bone, dude. And, and we're going to be humbled because one day this body's going to decay and not be able to do these things. Mm -hmm. And so what is amazing about looking vertically instead of horizontally is that I remember this training ses session about a month and a half ago, two months ago, where I missed what I wanted to hit. Like it was a, you know, I it was going to hit this five rep max. And I hit four instead of five. Ugh. And my flesh, my, yeah, I was like, my flesh stung for a moment. And then I sat down and instead of it, me wallowing, maybe there was like two minutes of that. Let me be honest with you, maybe two, three minutes of that. I then had this perspective of God, thank you for giving me the strength to even, to even do this. Because what is one more rep? It's just, it, I'm one more rep away from what? Nothingness. And I look at the weight on the bar. I'm like, man, I, I'm just fortunate enough to be, well, first of all, still in one, in one piece. <laughs> and mm -hmm. second of all, to be able to do this and just continually do it every week, praise God for my limbs and for my functioning heart and anatomy that allows me to do this. And I looked in the mirror that night with no disappointment about that session because usually I'd go home and I'd be almost, not despondent, like I'm over that. I've been doing this long enough. But there'd be that, that twinge of failure mm. where that was no longer. And I said, okay. These little things that they reveal themselves to me along the way, just like you said, you're like, oh, okay, so I am, I am walking in a better path. These, God has revealed this to me. And in another big way, and you know, make this personal again, I've had a really um, turbulent relationship with my earthly father. And to me at this point, I've got to just reconcile it in my heart because I can't reconcile it with him as a person because of so much drug use. He's now um, borderline paranoid schizophrenic. And so he's just not in his right mind. And I have tremendous, like when I say that, I have empathy in my heart. It's not coming from a position of judgment. I feel that. You know what I'm saying? And we've had so many points in our life where we had these, these falling out 
these falling out moments. And I remember, you know, my whole life, my, my family telling me, you'll change when you have a, a son or a daughter. And I really clung to that. I really did. So part of the story was we sold our place in Vancouver because I woke up one day, I was working too much. I made my work my idol and the money my idol. So I wanted to sell our place and build a house in my wife's hometown so I could be work from home and be with my family more. That was this whole process that I under I underwent like seven months ago. Mm-hmm. And so that's hence the unfinished basement behind me. Yeah, I was <laughs> wondering where you, I was like, where are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm in my basement. There's my gym behind me, but still, you know, we just moved in and it was just been a, just moved in. It's been September. But anyways, I digress. And right before um, we left, you know, I said to my wife one night, I said, just send pictures of my daughter, Amadea, to my father. And so I said, okay. And so they started this sort of back and forth. And so he had these, these, these moments of lucidity where I'm like, okay, there's the guy. There's the guy that I kind of know right there. He's got some redeeming qualities. This was hard for me to admit at the time. But part of these gifts that I've gotten come from him. And that's mm-hmm. cool. I'm grateful for that. Praise God. So we arranged this meeting. We met up and you know, I saw how kind of broken he was. But I was like, okay, this is the moment where you ride off into the sunset, right? This is the, this is the day that I get the apology, right? Well, no, we were supposed to hang out again a week later to celebrate my grandmother's, his mother's birthday. And then he canceled last minute for like, he's done that 300,000 times Mm -hmm. in my life. And right before we left and I left all my family behind my businesses, it was even in the same two kilometer square block radius of the childhood home that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. I left it all behind for my wife and my daughter, because I'm like, this is my initiation. I need to, I need to step into this manhood stuff, whatever that means. And God just told me to do this because I was turning into a tyrant. And so before I left, I just, I just cut it off again because I had this expectation. I'm like, we're going to ride off into the sunset. Everything's going to be good. And I'm like, man, that's not what God had meant for me. And I had this bitterness and this resentment. And circle back to my point about how God's redeemed my heart and has allowed me to reconcile this is that with this path of these posts that I've made with this, with this page, it's very hard for me to accept my last name, Pantile. That's his last name. I was going to my, my, my mother's maiden name is Manorino. What's how fitting Manorino? Like, oh, I want to take that name. But I remember my wife sitting me down and saying, this is the name that God gave you. You should keep it. I'm going to be so proud. I almost going to tear up saying that. I'm going to be so proud to hold that name. And, and also too, it's, I said to her, I said, wow. I said, you know, when our kid, you know, my daughter looks at me, she'll never know the hurt that I went through. She'll just know this is my last name. It's my dad's last name. Yeah. And that, that hits me in the heart. Every time I say it, and uh, it's hard for me not to, you know, come to some kind of, you know, emotion over it. But I remember about a month ago, he sent me a message and he said, you're a fake Christian, you're a devil worshiper, you're this and you're that. And, you know, so many times when he sent me messages like this, I would lash out and I would respond. This time I looked at it and I didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't angry. I was sad, but I was sad for him. I said, in my heart, I said, I, I, nobody's beyond redemption. Nobody's beyond salvation. Lord, I hope that you soften his heart and you find your way into his spirit. God, please like mm-hmm. save him. Not for me, yeah. but for his own sake. Because he's been betrayed by himself, his devouring mother, his whole life, people around him. Mm-hmm. And instead of lashing back out, I just said, I said, Dad, like, what you've done is between you and God. And I hope you find him. I'm not trying to fight you. Just go in peace. And I remember putting the phone down and just bawling. Like I was alone and I had to, I, I was in my gym and I had to go to the washroom and I was just like in just complete, like 
beside myself. And I looked up, I said, thank you. Thank you, God. Like praise Jesus for that, that, that revelation. And so it's these little moments, but that are really big when you're experiencing them that, that, you know, um, reinforce that, okay, you know, as flawed as I am, I'm, I'm walking in a better path. And I hope that just continues to happen. And there's times where I feel distant and times where I feel close. And I just, I, this is why I speak so powerfully about the faith. And sometimes I'm like that, you know, puppy dog that just came to the faith. I want to just talk to everybody about it because it's that kind of transformation. I never thought that was possible, man. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I struggle to find the word, the, the words to say, because it, when I, when I talk about it, it brings me back to that moment. And, but it's not sadness. It's weird. Like there's, there's tears of joy there. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just a testament to how God changes our hearts. And when, when we don't just call ourselves Christians, that we're become true disciples of the faith, which I believe that you are as well, because you've undergone an immense trans- transformation. And I barely even know you. And I feel like I've known you a long time. Feelings mutual, Mike. Thank you, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that you've only been, you only created the page in November. It seems like it's been quite a bit longer than that, but um you know, this is, this is why, um, men like you and me and, and women in their own positions, um, speak about these things is that we are not the same people, the same men that we used to be. We don't approach life the same way. We don't look at our past. Our goals are not the same, but I think most importantly, we don't approach people the same way. Even people who hurt us, you know, there really is something to the, um, to the idea of turn the other cheek, which I think is massively misunderstood as like, allow yourself to be destroyed. And I, I don't think that was ever the intention of it. But the idea that your, your dad could say something so, so hurtful, almost pointedly attempting to offend, right? And that, and that you're, the way that you turned around to that, to, to pray for him, like, and, 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 the, and the emotional collapse that followed that, like just, I, I can imagine in that moment, there are, there are a lot of things like, you know, rather than being rather than being d- drawn to sin in response to not do that anymore and then instead to allow yourself to feel the grief of who your father is and the grief of who you've been as a man in that moment and it just all just all the way just falls off in that moment as you see this is the way that this is the way we've been living like meaning you and your father for a long time and you get a chance to live a different way and what a blessing that is like that's, that's real. That's true transformation. And like, you can't argue with that. And I understand you said that you feel like a little puppy dog in the faith wanting to tell everybody, yeah, I want everyone to have this too. Like it's yeah. real. And, and it, it's been one of the most challenging things to recognize that um, a couple of different things. One, not everyone can hear it. Right. Which is, that's a real thing to get comfortable with. Like, yeah, not everyone can hear it. And the other thing to get comfortable with is like, it's not up to me. I remember, I, I think I go to Apologia, uh, which is a very, e- yeah, very evangelical church here in Phoenix. And, you know, Apologia, you know, what Pastor Jeff and Luke and, and, and Pastor Luke and, and, and um, Pastor Zach do is, you know, they go to the, the Mormon temple and they do evangelism at the Mormon temple and they go and they set up, they're one of the churches that sets up outside abortion clinics and preaches the gospel. Like they're out there. Oh. Right. And so evangelism is a big part of what they do. And I remember hearing and always has been. And I remember hearing Pastor Jeff say on one of their podcasts, I think he said, you know, the thing about evangelism is that it's not a it's not about you. It's actually the Holy Spirit. 
Like you can't convince somebody. Like your the power of your argumentation isn't going to do it. All you're going to do is is hopefully be the conduit, maybe if that's the right language, for the Holy Spirit to flow through them and switch the lights on. But that's not going to come through the strength of your of your logical argumentation. It's going to come through so many other different ways. And don't take it personally, and to get comfortable in that um, in, in that as well, and and to accept that like that's a better way of being is just to share out of love, you know, than, than to try and go force it on your father, like, or I, or me for go force it on my family or something like that, who have said similar things to me about my conversion, but you know, the power of forgiving and apologizing and let, and, and, and really being in that is, is ultimately so much, a much better way of just being alive. Um, and that's, and that's real. And I, and I feel like I can be there with you in that moment crying and imagine some of the feelings that you must've felt to be the man that you were and to be a new man and to see your dad being the guy that he is and wanting him to have that too. Totally, man. I, I appreciate you saying that. It means a lot. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I kind of like experiencing kind of similar yeah. emotions, but you know, what I want to communicate with, with this stuff too, because there's so many men that find themselves, you know, indoctrinated by the red pill or what have you, it could be any one thing that's not Jesus Christ, which is all false, is that you have an opportunity to be a new link in an old chain. And I speak about this is that when I look at my daughter, I'm like, this is my opportunity. I look at my wife, I'm like, this is my opportunity. When I look back at my family tree, there's been so much infidelity, so much hurt, so much divorce. I'm like, well, here's my opportunity to change that. I'm, I'm, I'm not at the mercy of my, my family history. I can be that, uh, I can be the one that that breaks the cycle to to refer back to that book the power of one more he speaks about being the one in your family that like breaks the generational curses there's a reason why i I wasn't unfaithful those two times that i had the opportunity to do so and but i didn't i wasn't and i still remain the only person on both sides of my family that's never committed adultery as far as the men go um and the same thing with this there's been so much tyrannical fatherhood and absentee fatherhood and all this stuff and uh, and fathers in, in, in my lineage, but I, I, I'm, I'm the one that's different. I'm choosing this path instead. And that's a powerful thing, man. You can, and that, that, that realization only comes from Christ because if you lean on your own understanding, it's just like patriarchy without submission to God, the father is tyranny. Yeah. And if you're playing it's self serve, exactly. It's self-service and you have traditional roles in your marriage and you're not godly rooted. You're playing dress up and you're going to, you're going to, you're gonna end up worshiping yourself and your relationship. It's just that's what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And I never thought that I'd come to that kind of realization. I never thought that I'd be okay with my last name. And you know what's so crazy? You know, it just seems like Instagram, but this path of creating these posts and doing this stuff has made me proud of it. Because that's my handle for a reason. I even t- I, I asked Brian, I said, should I change my name? He's like, no, man, that's your name. He goes, the only reason I'm not using my name is that it was taken. Use your name. And then I, I, you know, I prayed about it. I said, no, why, why? I'm, I'm going to use my name. People are going to know what my name is. And that is not, I'm at the point where I, I don't want to change it. I can't change it. I can't bring myself to change it because there is not like a, a bad pride about it, but there's this like healing process that came with it. I didn't have to run from it anymore. I embrace it for what it is. So when people get it wrong, I find it funny. I just correct them. Hey, it's Pantile. It's not Pantile. It's not Pantile. It's not whatever. It's it's Pantile. I know it's a weird Italian name, but it, that, that's what it is. And Super Italian. That's, yeah, right? And that's the name that my wife feels so proud. And man, credit to her. Huge, huge credit to her. Because 
she's a huge part of these epiphanies and you know her gentleness and her nurturing spirit and her saying like i'm proud to have this name like i'm i'm happy to have this name i'm happy to have left my old name behind and become one with you and and look at our daughter daughter's name and when she writes it out she wells up with 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 happiness i mean you talk about fulfillment man ain't no red pill this pill black pill whatever pill only the virtue pill can bring that upon you man and so I have my moments of sadness and anger and all that stuff because I'm a human. But when it comes down to it, when I think about that stuff and, and I'm really grateful and I'm in the moment, God is so good, dude. And, and we're not deserving of it. He's so good anyways. His love just is so boundless. The grace and the mercy is so boundless. And he just lets it flow despite our fallen nature, man. And, that, and that's why. And, and, you know, it's so powerful, too, because I never thought that my page would bring people to Christ. And I'm not going to out this guy's name, but it's a pretty big page in like the new age space and we're all aware who, who this guy is we all think we've all been lumped together okay. and anyways i just i don't feel it necessary to say his name but anyways he said to me he goes i get consistently lumped in with you and ren of men and masculine revival and ryan and really i'm having this wrestling match in my heart with god i think i know who you're talking about right right and i, I dude i read this and i was like seriously I said, I, I stopped what I was doing right in that moment. And I said a prayer for him. Mm. Like there's that, that somebody's opening, opening the door just a little bit, that light's shining through, man. That's the beauty of sharing these experiences with, with, with people and not just preaching the gospel, but preaching how God has changed our lives from the mess that it was to sometimes it's still a little messy, but like, look at what we are now, look at where we were before. And this is why I think that this, this, you know, uh, Pastor Mark at my church, Christ City here in Edmonton, was, was talking about how there's a revival happening in the heart of man. Mm-hmm. It's not just in the church, it's in the heart of men worldwide. And this is what we're talking about, man. Yeah. Yeah. People are understanding that they're leaning on their own understanding, and all of these things that are here horizontal are fleeting. They're going to break under that kind of worship. And there's only one thing, one being, one uh, doctrine that will not. And he reaches down to us. Versus every other belief, we have to reach up to this sort of like invisible thing that we don't know is God. Is he kind of there? But no, he's reaching down and saying, hey, man, I'm here for you. All you got to do is look up. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I almost had no words. I just said, hey, bro, I love you, man. I'm praying for you. I'm not going to get pushy like a lot of Christians would in this position. I'm going to let you come to that path. But if you need something, I'm here for you, man. Mm-hmm. Despite what everybody says about social media, man. We've carved out this little beautiful piece of it for ourselves. Yeah. Not for ourselves, but for the glorification of God's kingdom. Praise God. Hallelujah, man. I agree. I agree. That's the that's the beauty of, of what's happening on Instagram is I like Twitter for for lots of reasons related to Twitter, because it's like it's like pure combat, right? Which I enjoy. Oh yeah, it is combat um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Instagram has a real feeling of warmth um, and community around it. Like there's something very special happening. And and the people on Twitter dismiss Instagram. I say Instagram is just you know, full of e-girls and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I don't yeah. encounter it. Like literally my reels suggested on my explore page are all like animals doing funny things. So I don't have experience, right. which I love. Like, But I, I know that on, I know that there's a lot of that going on, but I think we've carved out this really special corner where something real and genuine um, is going on. And, and, you know, certainly I, I never, um, I never expected to be any sort of evangelist. Right. It makes sense. Like you said, like you, like God used you and used, your, I think you said your physical form, your muscles, your tattoos to be able to reach out to specific kinds of guys. 
and that they look at you and they expect you to be one way. And then you flip them around with the whole Jesus thing. Like, whoa, I didn't you like, and I, I think it's yeah. kind of, I think I can see that in myself of like, like I literally went and did all the world religions, all the new age, all the spiritual stuff. I did all that stuff with like fully for what it was. Like I wasn't investigating it like some, some Christian researcher taking notes. Like I thought this was the thing. This is the thing I'm going to do right now. And I see the ways that I was allowed to wander all the way out to the edge of the fence. You know what I mean? And like, there was a fence. Some people, some people don't have a fence, but like, you know, they just dive off. I was able to wander all the way out to the very edge and I never really dove off. And now I get to come back and find out like, oh, what's it all for? It's like, oh, so I can actually speak about Christianity in a certain way because I've tried everything else, you know? And so it, it allows me to see what Christianity is and to be able to communicate that to people. It's like, wait, you're the guy who did all these things and you're the Christian? Like, yeah. And this is how we get redeemed as men, particularly like what you mentioned about your name, Pantile. Like, it, rather than how much better does it feel? instead of throwing your name out and picking some new name for yourself to instead redeem your family lineage, like how much better is that? <laughs> right. And that you get to yeah. be the patriarch for a whole new, a whole new wave of Pantiles. like praise God for that. There's been no greater uh, opportunity or privilege bestowed onto me besides that. Right. Like, like even in all the, sometimes the inner turmoil that I, that I still go through, not that I hang my hat on that because there's no such thing as hanging your hat on anything. Sure. I think it's just a continual process of, of growth and self-discovery, but, um, and it's, I'm not to take any of the credit for it. That's all God. That's all, that's all Jesus working, working through me, but it's an indescribable feeling. It's more than just a feeling. It's like, um, I don't even want to call it an identity because I have no identity outside of Christ. I have the, I have the red pill identity that I was before. And the guy sure. before that it's, it's, It's honorable and it feels, even though despite, I, I have no idea. And I was having this conversation with my, my wife the other day on the way to church. I said, I'll never know who my, what my grandfather did or what his dad did and what his dad's dad did. But all I know is that I can write the new chapter or the new book starting from this point on. And that's, that's okay. That's, that's amazing. All I know is I come from a long line of, you know, military discipline guys. And my wife was like, maybe that's where you get your sort of like, you know, you don't have to sleep that long. Like you're, you're, you're kind of hectic and passionate and focused and disciplined. I'm like, you know what? You're probably right about that. And it's okay if I never know what those men did. Cause all I know is I'm writing the book of Mike Pantile, the patriarch of my family in 2023 and beyond. Right. And, and, and just like, and, and when Ryan was talking about how he wants to give all of his posts as a giveaway, as a book, like an heirloom to his sons, mm -hmm. this is the same thing that I want to do with my Instagram page to get to my daughter. And, and if God wills it, that we have more children, I want to give them that and say, Hey, listen, this is, this has come from, this has come from you guys, but even more so God and God giving me your mom, which I didn't even really have to put her above me. I didn't even deserve at the time. I know she mean. was like, here. You almost completely messed this up, but here, like this, this person indirectly and directly in a lot of ways is going to guide you to me and you're going to do some pretty incredible things. And, and that's the story of redemption and reconciliation and, and shout out to, to, to Sharon and shout out to you, um, Will, because you're the one that, that inspired us to do that, that, that live where it was centered around reconciliation, man. Mm -hmm. And that was so beautiful. Shout out to all the women in, in, in this space too, because it's so, it's so awesome to see, uh, that collaboration. It's not just a bunch of men 
talking around in, in, in a cave. It's, it's the women are part of the conversation too. Yeah. Um, it's a whole revival. It is. It is. My, you might even say it's a renaissance. <laughs> it's a renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that in. That's no, fine. No, it, it, I, it completely is. Yeah. No, Brandon and I talked about that. So, um, and as long as we're giving shout outs, there's another guy that I want to give a shout out to, uh, Jeremiah Hendry. If you follow yes. him, he, we talked about the, the red pill earlier and he did a great post this past weekend about how the red pill was like the booster rocket stage of the men's movement. So good. Like, it's a really good way of looking at it because there were phases before that that kind of laid the foundations and that kind of, it did rocket it in many ways into the national consciousness. And now the booster rockets are going to kind of fall away and hopefully they won't explode <laughs> in midair, but the rest of us are kind of cruising up and up and uh, up into the heavens, let's say, as we, as we uh, go a little higher with conversations. But that's what I love about, um, about Instagram is that it's become in a way that Twitter isn't this ongoing rolling conversation. And I think that's because we can all share thousands of words. Like how surprising is it just as an aside that Instagram, the photo sharing platform has instead become a blogging platform. Like we now, Dude, right? <laughs> how wild is that? You know what I mean? Like, like we're, we're sharing, like, here's a cover slide and then a whole bunch of slides with words, like what's going on with that. But anyway, we're, we're able to have this ongoing conversation, which is what the men's movement has been for 40 years. And now the men's movement, you know, it's, it's a larger movement. The larger Renaissance includes women as well. And now we're all having this conversation about what does it mean to be, we don't yet know what the word is. Uh, a regenerated man, an authentic man, an integrated man, what a whole, a holistic man, whatever the word is, we haven't yet a virtuous virtuous is, is the word for 2021, 2023 for me. What does this mean to be a virtuous man and a virtuous woman? And what's so incredible about it, and this is happening for so many people, is that it's leading them directly back to Christ, completely yeah. contrary to their own expectations. Right. Like yep. if I had thought that in, in my studying men and masculinity for I think 20 years before I started the Renaissance of men, if I had thought like I never would have believed that it led to Christ and it does and he finishes everything. And that's the power of everything that's going on is like we've discovered something real and something true and something timeless and something transcendent that we get to embody and that we get to promote to the people around us and that we get to promote through the Internet and that we get to share with each other. And that's the feeling that's really incredible. Like we're in this together. Like I said a lot in 2022, I think we all go up together. And I mean that, like we all go up together, meaning like there's no one person who's like doing all the thing, you know, like there isn't, there isn't this William Wallace character, you know, it's yeah, right. really each of us embodying these timeless principles in our own lives and in our own unique expressions as men and women. And that's totally valid and totally beautiful and totally true. Because it all points back to Christ. It all points back to Christianity. It all points back to the Bible. And we're just recapitulating the things that were always true, but just for the past 150 or so, 150 to 250 years, the start of the French Revolution, have kind of lost. And that's the power of it. And that's why it can't be stopped, because we're not creating anything new. This is what all the, the haters don't understand. Like, I think they believe that we're trying to impose some novel set of values on them. It's like, some radical set of values like no the modernity is the real radicalism we're yeah. actually going back we're actually going back to the way that we were made and the way that we just kind of accepted that we were made for many thousands of years we've been living in the radical era and that's what creates this feeling is like we're all we're all able to look at each other in this community and be like you're saying the same thing right yes i am okay this is real yes no it's real 
it's a very special thing to be um, to be a part of and to be sharing with so many people because we all have a slightly different take on it. And so we all get to learn from each other and not be, and as much as I like Twitter, even t- Twitter, even between allies can still be a form of combat, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, for sure. Right? And yeah. there's a, there's a fun to that. You got to learn to enjoy it. But like, at least on Instagram, there's like a feeling of, of discovering and cultivating truth. You, you touched on a point that I was, I was, I was going to mention myself is that because over here you have the, the manosphere, what it traditionally is with the red pill and MGTOW and the black pill and all that stuff. Yeah. And you have a bunch of characters. So you get a bunch of LARPers that come that are like branches of these characters that are all just different kind of crappier versions of those other characters. But when you have this Christ, it, it's true, right? When yeah, you have I this Christ-centered masculine ideal, just like you said, he speaks the truth, not our truth, the truth through all of us individually. Because when you look at your page, my page, Ryan's page, Jeremiah's page, blood and rain, the Saxon cross, and that's almost like a completely different flavor of the same thing. Yeah. It all points back to him just in completely different, unique ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and this is what I love. And 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 if you look at because I look at all of your guys' feed and I start at the beginning and I'll kind of look through mm. there's this journey, and then you can see you hone in on this voice, and here's your voice. And it's it, it's 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 always, you know, it, it's evolving. But it's more so not evolving, but maturing. Yeah, I certainly can see it in mine. I look back at Brendan's. I can see it in Ryan's. Is that what an incredible thing? These gifts that he's given us that we all know, we all fall short of the masculine ideal, which is Jesus Christ. Mm. But it's so amazing how he breathes the truth in us in such unique ways, even to the women. Mm-hmm. Because it's all centered around femininity. It's all centered around masculinity. But we're coming at it from different angles. And a lot of times we're talking about the same dang things. Because there's only so much you can talk about, but it all resonates because it's just a slightly different flavor of that. Mm-hmm. And it's anchored by truth. It's not anchored by narcissism. It's not anchored by egocentricity or modernity. Mm-hmm. It's not like rejecting against, it's embracing the truth to cleanse and purify this sort of kind of disgusting world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is a drum that I'm going to be banging really hard this year is that the beauty of this is that we all get to be different men with different interests, different values, different virtues, doing things in a different way that is still equally authentic and whole, right? So like, I'm not a man like you and you're not a man like Ryan, Ryan's not a man like Brandon, like we're all different men and all different women, you know, Annalise, feminine, not feminist, is not like Bernadine Bluntley, is not like fearless femininity, Mm -hmm. is not like Sharon, all these different, but they're all equally women and we're all equally men. And this is the beauty of, of this moment is that the way that masculinity takes shape through each of us and the drum that I'm going to bang on, because there's a lot of guys in this space, particularly the manosphere and previous generations, is that they'll look at each other and like, I don't think you're really a man, right? Because I don't look <laughs> like you. No, there's a ton of this. It's like, oh, sorry, you're not, you're not six feet tall with abs and you don't, you don't bench yeah. press 400 pounds. Like, you're not a man. You're not a man, yeah. bro. You don't, you don't drive a flash car. I don't think you're a man. You don't have a baseball cap and a beard and you don't roll jujitsu. You're not a man, right? There's a lot of that. There's a ton of it. And the thing is, First of all, it's crap. And second of all, here's yeah. why it's crap. Everyone loves the movie, The Lord of the Rings, right? The original, original trilogy. Guess what? In the Fellowship of the Ring, that was nine completely different men. Completely yes. different men with non-overlapping skill sets. And Aragorn wasn't looking down at Sam like, I don't think you're a man, bro. Like, <laughs> like none of the hobbits were fighters. 
but they had their own unique gifts and no one was looking at Gandalf like old man. And no one was looking at Legos like, I think you're probably gay, bro. Like there was none of that. <laughs> these nine different kinds of men, not to mention Theoden, you know, and Elrond, all these different kinds of men, completely different kinds of men were all able to look at each other equally as men and not all have to be like Aragorn. You know, like you didn't even see a moment of that. And so that's what I think is so beautiful about masculinity mm-hmm. and femininity is that we each get to find our own true expression of it. And you can recognize it in another man if you try hard enough, as long as you don't expect him to have to look like you. And that's the thing that drives me so nuts about this is this idea that like, you know, men start leaning on their own strength and they think they're God's gift to masculinity. And so they look at a man that looks nothing like them and they think, well, you're clearly not a man. And it's like, you know, like my, like my mentor, Glenn, shout out Glenn. And maybe he'll listen to this, maybe not, but it's like, what about the guy who's like, you know, five foot two? Does he get to be a man too? You know, like, does he have to fit into your image? I think he, I damn sure he does. What about the guy? What what about the guy, you know, who has um, cerebral palsy? Does he get to be a man too? What about the guy built, you know, born, you know, with a a birth defects and and no legs? Does he get to be a man? He's never going to look like that. Like, can we have a more, and this is something I'm going to talk about this year. Can we have more a high resolution masculinity instead of low res? You know, I eat bacon and I drink beer, which is the old gen. It's like, but now I roll jujitsu and I smoke cigars. That's how you know I'm a man. It's like, we have to be able to see through that into godly masculinity that takes shape through all different kinds of men. And that's, that's, that's what I try to say about the Renaissance is the Renaissance doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you have to look like me. You don't have to. You get to be the best version of you. You get to be the, you get to be the virtuous version of you. And that is fantastic because that's the man that God made you to be. Be that man. Don't be like that guy. Don't look like that guy. Don't look like me. Don't look like Mike unless you look like Mike, but you get to be yourself. And I I think that's the power of what we're doing that everyone's discovering. Like, you mean that it's okay to be the most virtuous version of me and that's enough for me to be a man? Yes. Yes, it is. You know, that doesn't mean that that's going to be easy, but that's still the way. You put it so beautifully, man. And the Lord of the Rings reference, my wife is a like a huge Lord of the Rings. She went to New Zealand. She, I had the scroll like right here, the map of Hobbiton, the whole thing. She's been there. She'll love that reference. I'm going to, I'm going to mention it to her. That's so great. I've, but, I've, been many the lo- look, I've been to many of the locations in New Zealand as well. Yeah. Because it's New Zealand, right? Exactly. Yeah. She spent a lot of time there. It's so amazing. She got saved and it's New Zealand or Australia, either one. Incredible. I'd love to visit one day. It's just, it's, it's so cool. But Beautiful. to your point, I mean, look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were all different men too. <laughs> yeah. if you look at the Last Supper. All the men sitting at that table are all different men. And this is the thing too. Also, and this is something that I'm saying to myself, is that just because I fit a visual archetype of man doesn't mean I have to do all of those things. Like I don't smoke cigars. Like I think they're gross. I might get into them. That's fine. Sometimes I like whiskey. Sometimes I don't. Um, am I the stoic philosopher? No, bro. If I look at my daughter for too long, I end up crying. I'm actually a pretty emotive guy. Sure. You know what I mean? And, and this is to the point. Praise God for that too, too, because I think that allows me to connect to people and people can really feel the compassion and empathy coming, coming off of me. And this is a lot of the reason why I got these tattoos and I, I tried to look the way that I did was- Are these I new? I wanted when did you get these tattoos? Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. How old are they? Yeah, you're, yeah they're, they're, man, a lot of them were at least, let's say six to 10 years old. Oh, okay, so well before you got saved, okay. Well below, yeah, well before that time. 
And so I wanted to look like this guy. I wanted to look like this badass. I'm like, man, there ain't nothing badass about me. I might look like this and I lift this weight, but that's so not, it's so nothing. It's the you most know, because, badass thing to say though, is the thing like I <laughs> Right. And, and you know what's so ironic about that is that I was running towards this archetype, this stereotype, when really I was just running away from myself. And I heard from funny, this guy that I was speaking to at the church that I got saved at. I don't go there anymore for reasons that we won't get into necessarily. But this guy has tattoos all over his neck, mm-hmm. all over his body. He's a jack dude. You know, he said to me, man, I said, well, what brought you to Christ? He goes, man, I was tired of running. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, man. I'm tired of running too. I'm tired of running away from who I really am and into what i think i'm supposed to be it's not who i look like at all i'm the guy that writes poetry i'm the guy that listens to music then it reminds me of a time and i'll start to tear up like i'm not ashamed of that i'm not ashamed to say that my wife has seen me tear up on many occasions and to bring up ryan i believe it was on your podcast that he started crying yeah we've, yeah and i had to pause it for a second i'm like bro is that ryan crying and i have to say Every single part of me respected that man so much more after I saw that. And I'm not using the V word because it's not the V word. I don't like the V word. Yeah, we both. Yeah. No, no. You made a beautiful post about that. It's just to have that sort of strength and humility to show that side of him. Mm-hmm. There's no other word, words that come to mind. Is that that's that's authentic, man. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's being real and raw. And, there, and that's what's missing. And that's why his page is taken off the way that it has. That's why all of our our message our messages are reaching people's hearts is that stop trying to fit this visual mold. If you're a short dude, that's got some sloped shoulders and you got a bit of a pot belly. Well, you can fix those things from like a flesh perspective, but don't wish that you were somebody else, man, because mm-hmm. God made you in his image uniquely. And I love that Lord of the Rings um, reference. Cause I never thought about it that way. And I made a post a while ago. The same thing is that every man needs to know that he has a seat at the table. Yes. And we're not, so, we're, we don't have to look the same. Yes. You know, I'm a part of uh, Brendan's brotherhood. There's a lot of guys that I hang out with at the gym. I used to mentor a lot of guys at my gym sort of in a roundabout way. And none of us looked the same way. We were just all united on this common goal of lifting weights and getting better. And I would always reiterate, this is even before I got saved. There were some sprinkles of wisdom amidst the debauchery and degeneracy. I don't know where, like these moments of, you know, clarity where it's like, bro, we don't have to look the same. We don't got to lift the same. We don't got to talk the same. I respect you for you. And I'm humble enough too to go to somebody that's like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years my junior in the gym and say, hey, you're doing something different. Like, teach me about that. And they're like to faith, they're like, oh, yeah, I want you to teach me because I don't know everything, man. And I'm I'm humbling myself enough to know that, like, hey, having a white belt mentality in all ways can only serve us well. And so guys just need to embrace more of those things that they're trying to push away and hide away. And for me, that was my my emotion i'm a musician i played guitar since i was 12 years old and it's something i kept close to the vest because it was something that allowed me to sort of be in 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 touch with that other side of myself that i tried to ignore Mm -hmm. and there's nothing more inauthentic than that and stop trying to fit a character because god's created you for some type of greatness you probably haven't even realized yet and that sounds cheesy but it's true man and i'm only starting to realize that Mm -hmm. yeah i i think it's probably a byproduct of this isolated social media age that we're in that we consume content that is aspirational, right? We look at the man Mm. we want to be and lose sight of the man that we are. Whereas I think probably prior to the age of mass media, so going back like pre 1950, 
this is hypothetical. I wasn't around back then, but like 19 in the 1940s and before you were just kind of confronted with the men that you were physically around. Right. Yeah. And so, and so you got to see all different kinds of men achieving in all different kinds of ways. And you got to understand that men of different skill sets had to come together. Like this is what, this is like the classic World War II movies, right? Like Band of Brothers and stuff like that, where you have all these different guys that all got to show up and get the job done. And the nerdy guy, you know, from the inner city and, you know, the farm, the farm fed boy, like, you know, from the country, they somehow got to work it out because they got a, they got a bridge to take and they all have to work together. Right. Because Mm -hmm. you were just confronted with the men around you. You grew up in your neighborhood, like the Sandlot is another great, you know, kids. Oh yeah, dude. Right. Like that's, that took place prior to the age of mass media when we were fixated on these images. But now we can consume content that essentially mirrors ourselves or our idealized selves back to us. And we don't know how to see other men who look and look different from us. And so I I like what you had to say about men getting a seat at the table because a seat at the table can be earned. It can absolutely be earned with honor and with virtue. And, and, but the thing is, I think, I think what's lurking behind some of this in a good way is the notion of really being comfortable with yourself. Like I'm going to do a post soon about bullies. Like what bullies really hate is they really hate themselves. They really hate their own, they hate their own weakness. And so they can't deal with the fact that they have a weakness. And so they persecute who they see as weak. Right. And, and they, you know, maybe they try and dress it up as righteousness now war on weakness and stuff like that. But you know, certainly like certainly that idea that drives men away. Like if you're truly comfortable with yourself and you're aware of your flaws and your flaws are redeemed and you're pe- repentant for them, then there's a much more space around you for, for men to come in and to show their true selves instead of constantly evaluating like, are you man enough to hang out with me? Are you man enough to hang out with me? Which I've personally seen and sucks. Instead, it's like, oh, yeah. let's all be excellent together, I think is a very different way of being. But you can only get there if you have true security with yourself, and you can only achieve true security of yourself if you're able to be honest with yourself, and you can only be honest with yourself if you know that your shadow side is forgiven and redeemed. I, I don't think there's any other way. I completely agree with you, and I think it's it's something that we all have a responsibility not to just preach the gospel to other men and women, but to also speak life and love and kindness into other men. Men, like Amen. I go into. It's I'm in the gym, man. And, and that's, that's ground zero for me because that's, I'm very comfortable in that environment. And I go up to these dudes who who are just starting out and I can tell they're a little insecure and I make sure that I break the ice because I kind of see them kind of looking, they want to talk, but they don't know how to talk because they think I'm maybe a jerk. I'm always the guy that's coming up to them and acknowledging their hard work and not just kind of, it's self-serving in a way too, because it feels good to help people, man. You know what I mean? It really does. And you see their face light up. You're like, this guy is actually not a jerk. He's, he's, he believes in me. He thinks I'm doing a good job. And you see their demeanor change in front of you. Literally. It's like your word. I think Ryan did a post on this. Your words have power. Yeah. Don't abuse that. Just don't abuse that because you can, I remember the men that have spoke power into me in the gym and they're always the most intimidating, strong dudes in the gym. And I'll never forget the words that they've shared, the power they spoke into me is that we have a responsibility as men to raise up other men to make sure that they come to, to the table. We, we do. It's our responsibility. We can't just hoist ourselves up on this false pedestal. We're nothing. We're nothing. And this whole idea that's, that's come from the manosphere of the Sigma male and the lone wolf is bred out of these guys. And yeah. I hate it. It's so yeah. disgusting. It's bred out of these guys that don't feel like they're good enough to have a seat at the table. And mm-hmm. they fetishize being alone. There's nothing cool about being alone. And it's not about being cool. It's like, it's okay to lay it out on the table and cry with your brothers, man. 
you deserve to be there just like I deserve to be there just because your biceps aren't as big as mine. Who cares, man? Because I can guarantee you, you got some value in you. You've got some wisdom in you that you could share with me. And I'm here to, I'm here to hear that as well. I'm here to correct you. You're there to correct me as well. But we're in this thing together because I believe it's a high tide raises all boats scenario. Our responsibility is not just sharing the gospel. It's raising up other men as well and saying, you, you have more potential and more. You have to give yourself more credit than you give yourself, man. You're doing a great job. Keep going. And just those little words of encouragement. So few guys hear encouragement anymore. They don't get it from their own fathers and then they feel unworthy of it. And then they go to the gym and they idolize false idols like Andrew Tate. And they're like, I want to be like Tate because he represents power. He represents the power that I feel like I lack. These guys, this, this whole sphere wouldn't have to be there if we spoke enough of this genuine power and strength into other young men. You know, I want to give you a little skeleton key to help understand why some men as content creators become world famous and others don't. This is how I see it. Because there will always be a elevate, there will always be the opportunity for men to be elevated to international prominence if they're willing to chastise and shame men and give them the message, be better. Those guys will always make it. There's no shortage. There's no shortage of opportunity for guys that will be elevated by the feminist captured media who will turn around and say to them and shame them, be better. No one cares, work harder. Those guys will always be elevated because society loves beating on men emotionally and physically mentally, but the guys who actually are encouraging, who try to raise up men from within them, who show them love and really lift them up and don't chastise them, those men will find a much harder time. They'll find a much, much harder time. That doesn't mean we're going to stop doing it, but I love masculine mandate, Joey, shout out Joey, about what he says post about encouragement, like the need to truly encourage men like a father. I was on a, a podcast the other day and I, and, and I got to share with this podcast, the Manosphere tried to solve the problem of father hunger using lots, yeah. of, old, using lots of older brothers, right? And what do older brothers do? I don't have an older brother, but older brothers, they chastise, they shame, they, they compete. You know, they can be loving and then they can be bullying. Like that's part of the brother relationship versus a father. Ideally, a father isn't that way. And so you have all these guys who bully their younger brothers and their younger brothers pay them to bully them versus the men that can, the truly virtuous men that can come in and act as fathers to all these lost boys and cultivate virtue and see what's good in them instead of shaming what's bad. And so the, the need for men out there who can see what's good in men, who need it, who need, who didn't have a father around to say, this is what I see in you and to bless them to bless their strength, it's so, it's so needed versus shaming their weakness. And this is, gonna, this, is, this is probably gonna, if I had to guess, really become a thing around the later end of this year and into 2024 is the brokenheartedness of so many men who have never been blessed in their strength and who are addicted to having their weakness shamed. And they don't know how to wow. break that, right? Like I'm just, I'm exploring these ideas as I'm saying them. But it's a real thing. And I feel emotional in myself because I can feel that, the, the longing for myself to have, my, to have my strength blessed and not just my weakness shamed. And when I think a lot of men go into the men's movement, they don't find men blessing their strength. They find men shaming their weakness. And that's good enough. Like it's junk food. It's junk food for the soul, yeah. but at least, it's, at least it's something versus the real blessing of a father 
And that's why I think the next stage, once we, I, I love how you came up with virtue pilled, by the way. I love that. Thank you for that. That, really, was, on your, really that was on the back of, that was on your back, man. Yeah, no, for sure. You really, you gave it back to me in this, in this really blessing way. And, and I think the stage beyond that will be really looking for real elders, like not guys who are like, you know, I, some people, Ryan has talked about how people call him an elder. Love you, Ryan. You're not an elder because you're not eld yet, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Right? That's true. But I'm talking about guys like 70, you know, 80, who who really who've metabolized life. That's why I love Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson is an elder, you know. That's why I love my mentor Glenn Elder, Ken Curry, who is on my podcast. Elder, really men that can bless, strengthen, that don't need to bully. And I, I think that's where we're we're going. And that's ancient as well. Like we continue to rediscover all these things. So. Just on the back of that, I just want to encourage men listening to seek out brothers who will bless your strength and not shame your weakness. Find those guys, find those accounts and follow those guys and you'll get ahead of the curve. I completely agree because what, what do you see? And I, I knew this early on that I had to put myself in, you know, the trades to learn how to interact with men because I was raised primarily by my grandfather and single mother. I had this like this, this thing in me. What, what did I see? What do we see when, when guys are, you see guys poking fun at each other and it's kind of like you're testing each other and seeing how, you know, you, you handle that kind of conflict and that bullshit banter. Right. Yeah. And it all it takes is like, there's a place for that for sure. There's a place for brotherly correction. Absolutely. But what it's become is just a pissing match. A lot of times yeah. where it's like, you, you're so sick of this surface level crap that you're like, let's go a little bit deeper. And then all it takes is one guy to kind of just break the ice in a vulnerable way. And all of a sudden these guys are looking around like, Oh, it was okay to talk about that. Yeah. yeah man it's totally okay to talk about that we don't always got to put up this shield of like i'm the manliest man because let me tell you man my best friend paul lazenby who's a hollywood stunt man and he's done all this crazy professional mma fighter power he's got all this crazy manly stuff i've seen that guy tear up before i've seen him i've heard him speak power into me and this dude is terrifying he's the most terrifying human being i've ever met but beneath the surface is like this heart that speaks this encouragement and power into, into dudes around him if you can get that close to him right you know and we're all kind of guarded in that way because we don't want to be judged by our brothers but there's there, you know listen a man's emotion and what he feels there's value there why are we shaming that away how many guys have to succumb to suicide and it's silent battles you know what i'm saying because yes. i was that guy i ended up in a psych ward you know what i mean like got behind these bars signing away my rights for like a freaking whole weekend because i was ready to just like end it wow I, I'm and I was saying more about that. Go, I didn't know. I, I don't know if I heard that story. Hey, I was just plagued my whole life because I didn't have my dad, man. I was plagued my whole life with just this, just this, this powerlessness and this weakness and this ang crippling anxiety going back and forth from my mom's house, to my dad's house, seeing the abuse. And I remember, you know, it's really hard for me. When I look back at pictures of myself as a kid, I can't, I don't know why. Maybe I can now, but I can't. And, and it, it hurts me to look back because I know the hurt behind that sort of smiling face. Because when I think about myself as a five-year-old kid, I think of myself in my dad's basement on the couch, like kind of slumped over my shoulders by myself, alone. And just wishing that I had, you know, pardon me, but wishing that I had just somebody to say, hey man, like you don't got to do this alone. Like I believe in you. Like you got potential, like just... It's hard now, but it doesn't, it's not going to be hard forever. And I just, I just remember just, just being so sad as a kid and just thinking that that was normal. Thinking it was okay to just like 
you know, I was raised by immigrants. So I love my, I love my grandfather, but I would fall over and I'd get shamed for falling over. I'd get, you know, and he's so different now as old age, you know, old age softens men's hearts for sure. Yeah. But I just remember this undertone of shame. And if it wasn't for my mom, who was just so sweet and nurturing, like I, I would have probably succumbed to that depression, man. And so anyways, I was plagued with, you know, I drank a lot through high school. High school was a horrible environment for me as a guy that felt a lot of emotions. I hated that clickiness. Yeah. I hated that clickiness, man. I hated it so much. I, I, I couldn't show up to school. So I dropped out in grade 10 and graduated through an alternative program. And why I went from failing and flunking to really being successful was I'll never forget the men and the woman who were in charge of that program, Garth Manning and Janice. I'll never forget. They're both Christians, especially Janice. She was a warrior for Christ. And Garth specifically being this like manly dude, but sitting me down and saying like, you've got more in you than you realize. You've got so much potential. I see it in you, man. And he gave me so many chances after I screwed it up. Like, dude, stop failing because you think that you're a failure. And it's just like, whoa, this guy's not even my dad, but he spoke such power into me. And then I, I graduated with flying colors. But I remember this one point, I got out of a relationship and I was just so tired of feeling bad. I had these pills, I had this bottle of, of, of whiskey or scotch, whatever it was. And I just decided to, to do the thing. And I went to my mom, I said, if, if, if I don't go somewhere tonight, I'm going to do something really bad. Oh, wow. And I go there and I'm intoxicated out of my brain. And, you know, I'm on Ativan and I'm half drunk, stumbling, don't know what the hell's going on. And I signed myself away. And I remember like putting on this, this outfit, bars on the windows and seeing these kids who were so medicated. You could see it in their eyes. There were just, there was so much hurt there. And I just remember being, there being a Bible on my bedstand and just like, even though everybody gets this verse wrong, Philippians 4.13, I can, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, even though within that context of that verse, everybody gets it wrong. I read that. I'm like, this is, I guess, my bottom. I was only like, man, like 18 at the time when I realized that. And I remember shouting and, and these screams. I'm like, I'm suffering because I just, I don't believe in myself. I'm looking for validation outside of myself. Like that is, it is just, it, I'm failing time and time again, and I'm falling flat on my face. And this is why I speak so strongly about fatherlessness and just the hole that, that, that it leaves, a God-sized hole that it leaves in a man's heart, man. And I'm only starting to mend that hole by returning to Christ. You know, and I don't really like talking about that weekend there too much because it just kind of, my head still kind of goes there sometimes because I've had points where I've wanted to go back there. You know, when you're 18, you have a lot less to lose than when you're like, you know, 23, 24, 25. A little you know, bit. That you started, you know, that you started a business that's somewhat successful. But what happens at that point is that you don't do it so publicly anymore. And this is where men succumb to these things. I, dude, I remember writing like suicidal notes as a teenager. I was plagued by this stuff. And I'm only starting to realize now that, man, God, you created me for a greater purpose here, man. I think, and part of that purpose was speaking power into other, these other young men. I think it's cool to be the lone wolf Sigma male. Dude, there ain't no such thing as a Sigma, bro. You want to look at lone wolves? Lone wolves die. Lonely, hard, painful deaths. You don't want to be like that, man. You don't want to be like me. You want to be like you, just the confident version, empowered version of you that can only exist in Christ. But the start is not talking about God right away and, and alienating them right away. It's, it's, it's just opening the door. And that's just like, here, man, 
here, you can come sit beside me. You're it's okay to be there. And I just wish somebody had done that to five-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old me. That's why it was so impactful that alternative school teacher saying, bro, like you think you're a failure, but you're not, man. You got stuff in you. You just got to realize it. And that's ultimately the message I'm trying to convey, man. And, you know, I could go on about that stuff for hours and hours and hours. And I'm only realizing this more and more, like with each post and with each each day that goes by, the more these 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 guys react to that encouragement. Like there's just a deficit of that encouragement in the world. Like, why are we still shaming? Nobody cares. Work harder. It's like, dude, get out of here with that stuff. You don't got to wake up at 4 a.m. to be successful. You don't got to wake up at 2 a.m. Team no sleep. Stop all that stuff. The grind set. It's all bullshit. Just like there's different versions of masculinity, there's different versions of work ethic. There's different variants of fatherhood. And, and it, there's not just one. It starts like with Christ, but it branches down and he speaks the truth in us in completely unique ways. Circle back to the point we were talking about. So, yeah, man. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, yeah bro, of course. I appreciate you bringing that out of me, man. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm an open guy, but certain things I just kind of, just kind of leave to the, <laughs> to the outside. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy acknowledging those things, but um, it's also not easy going back into that space and, 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 and really reliving it. Like, well, this was, you know, I guess not really the man cause you were much younger, but the boy that you were and the, the struggles that you come from. And, you know, I hope men really hear that and understand. Cause I, one of the things that I think, content creators deal with is the projection like you know this idea like oh we you know oh you're some idealized version idealized. they they see yeah. what they what they what comes out of them and they they sort of lose sight of the man who's actually in front of them and that's that's kind of part of it in some ways but like for you to acknowledge that like hey i'm a human being and that you struggle with these things i think will really reach a lot of men's hearts certainly reach mine because i know what that is I, I know what that is to you know to live in if not being told this feeling of of no one cares work harder of just working harder as compensation and believing that i have nothing good to live because no one ever blessed the strength of learning to find my own blessing of strength right and then someone comes along and how many men's stories is this today like i didn't have a dad or my dad wasn't around or he was working or whatever until a coach or a teacher or you know a mentor you know or a relative came to me and said hey there's more in you like lift your chin up, just the, the acknowledgement of it. That they just, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know they followed it up with action, but that someone spoke that blessing into your life, like your whole life pivoted on that in some way. Like they did. how incredible. It did. And that's why it pains me to think about, and this is where I kind of agree. Sorry, my headphones are just dying. So I'm just going to, it's okay. Yeah, we're good. So we're all good, yeah? Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. So this is where I agree with Jordan Peterson and when he gets really emotional and welled up, when he starts to, when he talks about men that are floating through life having never heard that they're doing a good job, that they've never been encouraged and so many guys die silent deaths cuz man like men overwhelmingly we don't make public displays of our suicide we just just get it over with we're just so tired of the despair and i know what the despair feels like you don't want to wake up i've numbed myself with pills and alcohol and cocaine and women and all kinds of stuff to try to like forget that gnawing sadness and 
when I see a man's demeanor change just because I told him that they're doing a good job and seeing the next time they come into the gym, their chest's a little bit puffed out and their, their chin's a little higher. It's like, it, no matter how many times it's happened, no matter how many times, and again, this is not, this is to give glory back to God, but there's been a lot of guys that have said, Hey, Mike, you've changed my life over the years at the gym and stuff like that. It, that never gets old. It never feels like my ego wells up. I, I feel just a genuine happiness and fulfillment that, that, that comes from that. And it's not hard to do. It's, it's free. It's easy. And it's, it's funny because sometimes the free things, the easy things are the most powerful things. We just overlook them and we take them for granted. Saying good job and encouraging a young man speak so much power but at the same time on the other side shaming them is disastrous and i'm so blessed to have you know i have a younger brother he's four years my junior and he really hangs his like he hangs on every word that i say to him and i don't take that lightly i feel bad when i feel like i pushed a little bit harder i've never bullied other than like us being like 10 12 bullied my brother because he looks up to me and, and you know what, in, in saying that, I think this is where it sort of comes from is that he's looked up to me as like this father figure, whether it's right or it's wrong. And I've taken that as it's such a responsibility to me. And I see him growing in life based off a lot of the encouragement that I've given him. And he weighs, like, if I, if I, if I smite him and I say something that's insulting, I can see how that like really deflates him. I'm like, man, I gotta be careful with that, dude. So I give the love right back tenfold. And so you can see it kind of builds them up again. Guys can't under, underestimate their voices, man. And it's our God-commanded responsibility. I talked about it yesterday in that post. Real men take responsibility. But it's not just for their families, but for raising up other men and encouraging them. Because it saves lives. As dramatic as that is, it saves lives. My life's been saved by the encouragement of other men period, end of story. And I'm going to live my life forever screaming this from the rooftops. Every man deserves and has a seat on the table if they're willing to you know, put in that work and look inside of themselves and realize that potential that they have because they do have it. I think every man has it. They just got to, somebody's got to point it out and they got to tap into it. I agree. And it's, it's so easy because there is a lot of weakness out there to point to and, and shame the weakness. Like it's, it's very, it's very easy to do that. I think out of a sense of outrage, which is real, which I don't think is going about necessarily. It's, it's not aimed at the man himself. It's and aimed at the weakness that is generated by something outside him. And yeah. it's easy for that to get confused. It's actually much harder to be in a place of openness and to really invite a man into something greater than himself a greater version of himself really invite him and encourage that because because i think there are a lot of men walking around and when you when you encourage them in that way i think their response not in these words is like wait you see me right i'm not invisible like no you're not invisible i see you like how powerful because so many men are not used to being seen by their fathers or their mothers or whatever and and to actually say like no i see you and i see that like you are present in front of me i see you mm -hmm. oh it's the first time like because they see these things inside themselves this was me you know i would see things inside myself and i just fought long long enough to bring them out 
like, you know, I, I, I can't take credit for all the work, but certainly there are moments where I was the only one who would see these things. And, and I was so doggedly committed to myself that I fought to bring them out. And, and along the way, people would validate some of that. And I would keep going and walking on, like keep moving through as, as we talked about in the very beginning. But for a lot of men, they, they see these things inside themselves and they don't know what to do about it. And so when someone comes along and says, no, I, I see that in you, it's like, oh, it makes it real. Like, that's real. I'm not crazy. I'm not taking crazy pills. This potential that lives within me is a real yeah. thing. Like, yeah, it's a real thing. And you validate these things that men know about themselves, but no one's ever told them. And I think that's probably the biggest crisis of a father hunger is that, especially for sons, for daughters too, um, I want to say probably, but almost certainly, is to validate what's really good to look at their son or daughter and to validate what's really good about them and say, that's real. And the mother does it in her own way by cultivating it quietly, probably less with words and more with action. And the father gives that father's blessing. Like that's what my burning man friends did. Like if you look at the cover of that podcast, the spirit dream podcast, you'll see my friend Rob hugging a girl. It's a painting of a girl hugging a girl at burning man. And he was offering her a father's blessing. She'd never been blessed by her father before. Wow. And there's so much of all of that. That's how I met them. You know, I got a father's blessing from, from, from another man there. But men need that. Women need it too. Like we don't receive it. And so you, as a, I said, you know, try, try to solve the problem of father hunger with older brothers. You're an honorable older brother in that you, you, you take seriously and you honor that gift that was given to you of, an, of another younger man's respect for you. And you didn't abuse it. You didn't misuse it for your own purposes. In fact, I would say that what you just said validates everything that I said about the manosphere, because you could easily turn, wow, the think about this, you could easily have turned your little brother into, he's your number one fan, but like into really your number one fan. Mm. Like you could have, you could have wrapped him around your finger. Yeah. Right. Versus like, no, I take this on a responsibility. Wow. I have to think really hard about that. You're going to have to pick that up while I just like let those thoughts turn over. Like, thank you. Bro, for that. That's brilliant. I love that. It's like the Andrew Tate turning the Tristan Tate into the Andrew Tate light. <laughs> right? <laughs> sure. I, I, yeah. Right. I mean, Possibly. when I think about him, like you could see he just wants his older brother's validation, but in doing so, because mm. it's misdirected, he just becomes another version of his older brother oh. where I always wanted my brother because I saw him so uniquely different in many ways to just be his own man, just in, you know, his own man, just influenced by some of the, what I feel are positive traits from me. Sure. And you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing. That's a big responsibility that comes on a guy's shoulders when, when, when you start to encourage other men, because I know that there's, there's distinct times. It's like heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? Like that's just, that's a true thing. When I'm in the gym, some of these guys, and I'm just tired and I'm frustrated. I'm having a crappy day and they're coming up to me and they're all like, I'm like, okay, get out of your own head. You don't matter right now. This person's looking at you and you can tell they're looking at you for that encouragement, that fist bump, that fist bump goes so far, man. Yeah, right. it goes so far, and to just block out the noise and be like, "Hey, man, how's it going? How's your day?" It doesn't matter. That that's a responsibility, you know. Jesus never really he never took a day off, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, he didn't. And mind you, we're never going to be Jesus. We all fall short of that, but we have sure. to strive in that way. And I just want to be the good shepherd, the good older brother, the honorable older brother, like you said. And I I love that you said that. And what an powerful point is that I could have made him my number one fan instead of my number one fan. Like that's, I gotta, I'm gonna explore that and maybe turn that into a post. I just absolutely love the way that you said that, man. Wow. 
do it, man. Yeah. I, by the way, I know that you, you you might be coming to the end of your time that you've got available. I want to be respectful of. So if you if you got to go, let me know. Like, how much time do you have? I, know you I got, got I got a do. call at four p.m. So I got okay another few minutes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So okay. So we'll 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 land the plane. Um, we'll land the plane in just a minute. But yeah, that's that's um two things. First is this is one of the, and this would require its own unpacking, but this is one of the innate problems with the manosphere is that it's trying to solve the problem of father hunger with a lot of older brothers who wrap their younger brothers around their finger and then exploit them for money in their funnels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like why would I, why, this is a huge problem with the manosphere. Why would I ever introduce a man to another kind of masculinity other than me and have him go spend money on someone else's funnel? Like the economics of it, are, it's it's true. It's really, really real. It's really real. It's why all these guys get so siloed. Like you have to look like me. You have to look like me. You have to look like me. And it's like, so why would this. I point? It's all exactly, exactly. And so that's why one of the things I say about the Renaissance of Men is that this is not a market. This is a ministry. It's a very different, very different mindset. Very different mindset. The sound, yeah. the sound bites that you, you you're creating, man. <laughs> this is not a market. It's a ministry. It, it, it's absolutely true. That example yeah. of our mutual friend coming to us behind the scenes and well, he didn't and, and talk to able- me. But I, fi- I, I he didn't talk to me, but I fi- I think I figured out who you're talking about. Yeah, and I'll, I'll DM you after, anyways. Like, like I said, yeah, yeah. I just don't feel like it's my place to say it on you know For on sure. the air like this. But it just speaks to that. It's like let's just be the example, first of all. But not only yeah. be the example, let's also encourage, because you see a lot of these loner, nerdy types get lost into video games and anime. Um, because there's, they want to be the hero in their own book so badly. Yeah. And so they get lost in this other world because they, they don't, they can't identify it within themselves, but those guys strive to be masculine men or want to be, I should say, masculine men more than anybody else. That's why they get trapped in these, these games. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Well, because I went, I went in, um, there's some channels on YouTube, Nerd Rotic, um, RK Outposts, um, Geeks and Gamers. They're three very popular YouTube channels about video games and, and, you know, Marvel movies and stuff like that. And these YouTube creators, you know, combined million subscribers between them. They did a get together here in Phoenix. And mm-hmm. so I went because I enjoy putting their stuff on in the background when I'm cooking, just something easy that I don't have to really pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And I went. And I hung out for a little while, and the, it was obviously a, a room full of guys that had been absolutely underfathered if they had, you know, fathers around at all. Like very clearly, like the the real, you know, the last guys and girls picked on kickball, like for for yeah. real. And look, I was that guy too. Like so that so this is not any this is not an insult. But then the funny thing happened at the very end of when I was getting ready to leave. All the and I'm going to swear here for a second. All all the men and women in that room started chanting, let's go, Brandon, <laughs> which of course, you know, at the time, if you remember, like, fuck Joe Biden, <laughs> like that was the thing. Right. And it was like, wait a minute. Like, and they were, they were like really going for it. I'm like, what's going on here? Like they were, it was, there was power in the chant and energy. And that really helped me connect. Like, wait a minute, like all these guys that sense many of them, I can't say all of them, but so many guys that send their energy into video games into Marvel movies, into cosplay. What they're doing is they're putting on the costume of the masculinity that's within them mm-hmm. that no one showed them how to bring out. So if they can't 
be as honorable a hero as Luke Skywalker, at least they can dress up and express it that way because they don't know how to express it in their everyday lives. And that turned my whole mentality around about that world. These are men that have been abandoned, abandoned. And all they do is they get shamed and poked at and ridiculed. It's like, no, when you dress up as whatever, like that's a part of you. That's a part of you, man. That, and how do we help those men? That's, that, that, that might even be the final frontier. I, I think it is. But I think it's with platforms like this and with getting this message out that's going to yeah. bring them to the truth because they're, they're putting on these costumes. They're making themselves look like Kratos. They're making themselves look like Thor, Leonidas, what have you. And they're all trying to play out their own version of, of what it, their hero's journey is. And yeah. the thing is, too, is that like you can channel those traits of Leonidas, Thor, and Kratos without having to necessarily look like them. Right. Because that's what I was doing with my tattoos and the way that I looked was like, I was trying to just put on this, this costume. It was just happened to be a flesh costume. That's all. <laughs> sure. At least you're and, honest and, about it. You know, then that's what it was. But that's, that's the power that when I, I speak encouragement to these young men, they're like, oh God, this guy's actually nice. And he's really encouraging. He's like an older brother or that father that I never had. Shout out to Ryan, the dad, and you know, the dad you never had. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's, for sure. It's so true because there's a deficit of that in, in, in the world. And I think back, to my youth and in, in, you know, elementary school and high school, I was always, I don't know, I think maybe this comes from my mom or just this, I don't know what it is, but I was always defending the guys getting bullied. I remember in my youth, my mom would tell me these stories of like, we were at a birthday, we were at birthday parties and there'd be a kid with disabilities or there'd be like the, the toddler that was left alone. And for whatever reason, I was drawn to just like sit down and hang out with them. Like these memories are just coming to me right now. There's just like this, 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 this com deep compassion and empathy. Maybe it's because I see a little bit of myself in them that like they're cast away and you see all the, the cool kids over there doing their thing, not realizing the damage they're inflicting on this, this, this poor soul over here. So I'm going to go hang out with this guy. And now that I'm realizing it, it's like, man, Jesus hung out with the, 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 the least of us. Mm -hmm. It's easy to pretend to be the cool guy. It's really hard to say that. Hey man, I'm going to leave those cool dudes behind and I'm going to hang out with this guy over here and we're going to create our own little club. And, and it's amazing to see that now play out into my adulthood. And I think even more, it's hard to put it into words without just repeating myself, but we have a serious responsibility especially those of us that have these images that exude this quote unquote earthly power. You have it. Ryan has it. Brandon has it. You know, Kurt has it. We got to bring everybody together. We got to be that like 10 year old little kid that's sitting with the dude that's eating his lunch by himself because he's got a disability or because he doesn't have, you know, much food or his clothes are tattered. Because I was also that kid at one point too. I was teased for my weight. I was teased for not having the coolest clothes because there was a point where my mom was on welfare. And I remember how horrible that felt. That's why my heart goes out to these kids, man. And I, I will go to my grave encouraging these young men and women alike, but especially the young men because I see myself in them. And a man's voice has power and we can't abuse it. The, sh the shaming's got to stop. The nobody cares work harder is cancerous. It's malignant. It doesn't do anything because we're not all meant to be Jocko Willink as much as we try to think that we are. And even Jocko Willink lives, reads Shakespeare. It, well, exactly. Exactly. It's just, there's, there's masculinity is three dimensional. It's not just this one 
it doesn't just have one face. And that's why I love, love, love what you're doing with the Renaissance of Man, because you've got so many different personalities that you brought, you brought to, to, to this platform. And to circle back what I said at the beginning, it's just an honor to be here and have this conversation with you, Will. I, 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 I know I, a lot of what I said was all over the place and scattered. That's kind of just who I am. But I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to speak about this in this kind of way. Same man. This this conversation has been this has been an amazing conversation. The amount of the amount of value and depth and meaning in this, like there's a there's a lot in here. There's a lot in here in a really in a really good way. So I have a lot of appreciation for you and for the things that you bring out of me and the things that you share and the things that we've talked about are, are so important. Like this is this is the future. Like what we've talked about in here. This is the future of everything we're doing. This is all going to unfold the next over the next three to four years as the dialogue really changes. And that's going to be because of men like you who bring your unique experience and background and personal stories of redemption and transformation forward. And that's that's the only thing that's going to do do it. The power of God manifesting through all of us as men. So praise God for you and your story, brother. And praise God to you and your story too, bro. Um, like I said, it's an honor. I, I there's very few words that I have to express my gratitude for being on here and. And just know too that I, I do look up to you like an older brother as well. And it our relationship, even though it's only been a couple of months, means a lot to me. And I feel like you know the, the length of time doesn't dictate depth of relationship. And I think this is one of these examples. And shout out to all these other men that I've had these similar connections to and with that we don't have to be in person to have these connections either. And we don't have to be in person to, to encourage these other men as well. We got to use our platforms for good and not for a self-aggrandizement. It's for the glorification of God's kingdom and the story. So thank you, man. Yeah. I'm very, I'm grateful. This is our first conversation too. I remember uh, we had, I think uh, you had, you had asked like, Hey, let's, let's chat sometime. And yeah. you know, of course life is life is life. And like, I'm really grateful that this is our, this is our first chance to talk. It's like, cause I feel like I've known you for a lot longer, but we've really only been talking for what, two or three hours, something like that. Like, wait a minute. I love that feeling. It's like, I've known you a lot longer than this, even though it hasn't, it has only been three months or three hours, depending on how you look at it. I'll never forget that, man. And we're kindred spirits for sure. I remember there was November and you're like, let's talk after Thanksgiving. I'm like, we're going to talk after Thanksgiving. And just like with any other stuff, I'm never the guy that's like, Hey, can I be on your podcast? I just know I'm going to pray about it and it's going to happen or it's not going to happen according to God's will. And when you, when you gave me that shout, I was like, it was, I was in church, bro. And I look over, I look over to my wife. I'm like, right of men. Will just asked me to be on his podcast. I'm so stoked, man. <laughs> of course. God. That's great. That's great. Well, you know, I, I get it. I get a lot of people that ask to come on the podcast and this is probably not the best way of doing it. But like I, I say, if someone asks me to be on the podcast, like they don't get to, they don't get to be on the podcast. That's, that's not actually true. It's like my, 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 the way that I navigate this is like when someone pops up to my intention and I notice something's going on over there, I go and I find out. So like you got it going on. So it was well-deserved. Um, where would you like to, in the last minute, where would you like to send men to find out more about you and what you do? Well, thank you again, man. And uh, the only platform I have that I'm talking about all this stuff is my Instagram page. And that's Mike Pantile. It's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-T-I-L-E. And that's on Instagram. I'll start a website and all kinds of stuff. I'm toying with a bunch of ideas, but that's where you can find me right now. And Will, thank you again. And it's funny, we had so many technical difficulties, but it we, like our conversation, it still flowed without a hitch. So I appreciate your patience because like I said, the enemy was really trying to work against this conversation. But the enemy can't take apart what God's put together. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. I look forward to the opportunity we get to talk in person at someday too. Amen, brother. I look forward to that. God willing.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.